Hello, star children. Welcome back to the 88. I am Dan Yernaki Dan. And I am Morgan B. And I am Slick Dissident. Yay. We have our first guest, guys. Yay. First We're so happy to have Gabriel on here. Yay. He should be pretty much probably like a every <laughs> guest, but it's all good. We'll get some other people on here too. It'll be fun. Uh, we love Gabe. Gabe has always got lots of information and lots of uh, cool fucking, I don't even know what to go along with stuff. You know, there's like numerology, there's etymology, there's tarot, tarot. Yeah, there's cosmic knowledge. It's like, I don't know how you do it, man, but uh, you have to have a <laughs> a vast knowledge of all of these different things to really put it together. So we appreciate you. And uh, thanks for coming on our show and being our first guest. We appreciate it, man. Absolutely. I'm so thrilled. The subject matter is like the stuff that really gets my gears turning. And uh, it sounds like we got a lot of uh, highlights that are on my favorite list tonight. So (laughs) I'm super stoked to get into this one. Yeah, I'm honored, guys. Thank you so much. Oh, Mm -hmm. we're honored to have you. And like we said, um, it's open dialogue. So if there's anything that I might be missing or I might have, you know, slightly incorrect or anything you want to add, you just go ahead because we're going to have fun tonight, guys. This is good. We're really glad to have you. Awesome. 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 Yep um so uh okay. yeah normally um we also give like a little background about the constellation like as far as like some cosmic knowledge of it you know like uh how bright it is or how far away it is from us or you know some of those types of things the constellation groupings and stuff like that some like hardcore cosmic facts about the actual constellation because we are trying to do it about constellations, but also about the stories and the myths and everything else that it pertains to, to human history, to knowledge, to understanding ourselves and knowing where we came from. So we try to do it a little bit of everything here. Uh, but uh, let's get started. Uh, and Morgan, you are doing Ariga. Olé. Ariga. Okay, so um, I just happened to pick like one of the most uh, diverse, um, biggest constellations to do. I don't know why, but I'm glad I did because I'm going to start with a poem. It is from um, Algernon Charles Swineberg's Eurystheus. Okay. So it was written in like 1700s. Um, It says, Thou hast loosened the necks of thine horses and goaded their flanks with affright to the race of a course that we do not know on ways that are hid from our sight. As a wind through the darkness, the wheels of their chariots are whirled, and the light of its passage is night on the face of the world. So I just thought that was interesting. Um, mainly like these poems are written by like, you know, sea navigators. And we just did uh, Argo Navis, which 
like I said, these stories, they definitely kind of flowed into each other. So um, I felt like that was important. But anyway, so Auriga is a large northern constellation uh, containing the first magnitude star Capella. So Capella is a double binary star. Uh, so it mean it has two eclipsing binary star systems. So basically there's four stars with two binary star systems. So it's like that, right? Um, so it's Eta, Eta Arige, and Zeta Arige. So those are the, considered the kids. So Arige is the goat herder or like the charioteer, the wagoner, the goat herder, like swifting off with her kids you know right like boop and so um uh so what's interesting about one of the kids or the goats or whatever uh is that it's an eclip- eclipsing binary k5 uh giant orbed by a b7 main sequence star basically what they're saying is, is that it is 500 times larger than the sun, something happens to where in this constellation, it's either a shadow or a black hole, and they still can't figure that out. So I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, And it has three open prominent clusters, M36, M37, and M38. Um, Another interesting fact about um, the chariot is that it has a blue sixth magnitude uh, interlooper. So meaning it'll like disappear for a while and then it'll come back. It'll disappear for a while and then it'll come back, which they still haven't figured that out yet. Mm. Uh, It's pentagram shaped constellation. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, So it's a pentagram shaped constellation. Um, And... Uh, it has five to eight main stars, 65 Flamsteed stars, and seven stars with planets. So we'll start with, basically, um, so... Uh, Did you say 5.28 five, five main stars or 528 stars? Five to eight, like Either oh, five, five, six, seven, or eight. To eight. Okay, gotcha. Yes. And 65 main stars and uh, seven stars with planets. <clears throat> what I think is really cool about this is, first of all, hold on, let me get to the right page here. I've got so many notes written on this. Okay. <laughs> um, it's crazy. Um, so the story behind this uh actually is um it is shown as a young man with a whip in his right hand but without a chariot the goat being supported against the left shoulder and the kids on the wrist um so with different variations going on with this uh constellation like it's been changed a lot you know people have reorganized the sky obviously we've talked about that recently but um the high hygienist of 1488 has a most absurd 
driver in a ridiculously inadequate four-wheeled car with the goat and kids in their usual position, the reins being held over four animals abreast. So the four animals would be a yoke of oxen, a horse, and a zebra, while the driver in a two-wheeled cart with a pair of horses and a yoke of oxen all abreast. So clearly the animals have changed uh, within time. Uh, And then in Acadia, or I'm sorry, the Turkish planisphere shows it as uh, three stars depicted as a meal. Um, Let's see here. The results of the modern research now give us reason to think that the constellation originated on the Euphrates as much as the same as we have it, and it was well-established. It was a well-established sky figure in the uh, millenniums ago. A sculpture from Nimrod Nimrod, uh, is an almost exact representation of Ariga with a goat carried on the left arm, while in Greco-Babylonian times, the constellation Rukubi, the chariot, lay here nearly coincident with our charioteer, perhaps running over or into Taurus. Uh, the rain holder was transcribed by Heniochus by Latin authors and personified by Germanicus and others as Eric. Erechthenius, Erechthenius, the son of Vulcan and Minerva. So the thing about this guy, Erechthenius, he's an interesting character. Um, he was, they call him a lame, meaning like he clearly had to have a chariot for some reason. Like he wasn't able to, hold on, let me pull this up. He wasn't able to, uh, he had like no legs or like there was something wrong with this guy. Um, he and who had said he inherited his father's lameness, found unnecessary. No, found necessary some means of easy locomotion. So clearly he had to have a way to get around. Um, and this was secured by the invention of the four horse chariot, which not only became his regal position in the uh, fourth of the early kings of Athens, but secured him for a place in the sky. So others will see this constellation as um, Myrtilus, the charioteer of Onimaeus, who who betrayed his master to Pelops or Silas, the latter's driver. Pelophronius, a Thessalonian, and a Trathan, while Euripides and Pisonius identified him with an unfortunate Hippolytus, the Hebrew Joseph of our classical times. Um, so I could go on forever and ever on different ways and how different people, uh, you know, saw Riga, but what I thought was the most interesting is the lovely Isidorus of Histolis, Saint Isidore, called it Mavers, the poetical term for Mars. Um, <clears throat> and some have thought that Ariga was Horus with the Egyptians. 
Um, let's see, we could go on forever about just different things. So we'll get into the actual star. So the uh the brightest star. Oh, actually, wait, one more thing. I want to tell you guys this. Did you guys know that some people also like um like put it with uh saint jerome i don't know if you guys are familiar with him but uh some people definitely put him what i'm not familiar with saint jerome okay uh i'll look it up yeah okay wonderful uh (laughs) um anyway so the, the the alpha the first brightest is uh capella which is known as the little she goat it is uh i think it's wait what's the bright what's the freaking brightest star it's uh 0.03 magnitude completely white and um sorry uh Okay, so hold on. <laughs> if okay. you're familiar, okay, so I'm sorry, it's hard to describe these things because Greek mythology and like most mythology is completely layered. So I'm trying to like um trying to make this a little bit uh easier. Let's see. Um I can read uh Saint Jerome while you think real quick. Oh yes, do that. Uh, so Saint Jerome, uh, also known as Jerome of Stridon, was a Christian priest, confessor, theologian, and historian. And Jerome was born in Stridon, a village near Amona on the border of Thematia and Pannonia. He is best known for his translation of the Bible into Latin. The translation mm. that became known as the Vulgate and his commentaries on the mm. old Bible. Jerome attempted to create a translation of the Old Testament based on the Hebrew version rather than the Septuagint, as Latin Bible translations used to be performed before him. His list of writings mm. is extensive, and besides his biblical works, he wrote uh, Polemical and historical essays, always from a theologian perspective. Jerome was known for his teachings on Christian moral life, especially to those living in cosmopolitan centers such as Rome. In many cases, he focused his attention on the lives of women and identified how a woman devoted to Jesus should live her life. This focus stemmed from his close patron relationships with several prominent female uh, ascetics who were members of affluent centurial uh, families. Due to Jerome's work, he is recognized as a saint and a doctor of the, of the church, by the Catholic Church, and as a saint in the Eastern Orthodox Church, the Lutheran Church, and the Ange- An- Anglican Communion. His feast day is September 30th on the Gregorian calendar. Wow. What's interesting about him as well is that um, 
when he was translating, because uh, not many people, and it's hard to translate Latin uh, to Greek or in, or French or anything. It'd be easier to translate Latin to English, actually. But um, so what's interesting about him is that when he was doing that, he would like, for some reason, he was chosen to go to do this mission and translate the Bible. And while he was there, I mean, they basically iconoclasted him as well. I'm surprised they even recognize him as a saint right now because um, basically what he was doing was not theurgy, the opposite. You know what I mean? Like kind of telling people, oh, and using women, uh, rich women as like a place to stay because he had nowhere to stay. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I'm serious. This guy, yeah. I can't believe he's actually, he was such a gigolo and he, he <laughs> made it as a saint, man. Uh, anyway, so um, some interesting things that, uh, about Capella. So, um, sorry. So in Mesopotamia, Capella was known as the leader of the brightest star in the vicinity of the sun at the vernal equinox of the start of the new year. In the sky lore of Greece and Rome, Capella was often associated with rains and storms since it was visible in the pre-dawn sky during springtime. Uh, Capella was also known uh, and sometimes associated with cornucopia, which is a broken goat's horn. So then we get into like the goat horn and all of that. Okay, so that's interesting because uh, about like 400 or no, 30 degrees in extent north of Camelopardalis, <laughs> sorry, mm-hmm. excuse me, uh, is one of the bull's horns. It's actually right there. So I think that's really interesting. But um, there you go. That's your. There you go. I'm doing um, <laughs> Yeah. I've been practicing so, pronouncing it. <laughs> Hippolytus is also associated with Ariga. And like, I don't know. Like, I have a soft spot, and like, don't, whoever's listening or whatever, don't take this personally. But like, um, you hate hippos? How dare you? No, I l- actually love Hippolytus. Um, love Hippolytus? That sounds bad. Yeah. Uh, well, actually. I had Hippolytus one time. Know, but I took a pill at the doctor and I went right away. Well, damn. Glad you didn't die. I don't. I just got uh, really fat so, and then I got skinny again. It was weird. Oh. It's a joke. Well, so listen. Go so ahead. when we get to carry on. No, you're good. Keep the jokes coming. Uh so like <clears throat> hypostasis is an underlying state or underlying substance, uh the fundamental reality that supports all else in Neoplaton. In Neoplatonism, the hypostasis of the soul, the intellect, and the one was addressed by Plotinus. 
So basically when we go back to episode one and we like uh, branch out, you know, how all of this has happened and all of this is a construct, every last single bit of it is just like from liturgy to theurgy to metallurgy to whatever else they can come up with. But anyway, uh, the hypostasis is like, uh, they were kind of more like the pagan Neoplatonist. I don't know. I, I think they all were, but they were more or less like, uh, okay, well, we're not going to um, sit here. Like they were actually um, a general branch in Christian theology, not like trying to do the opposite like most of the theologians of that time. Um, anyway, uh, so as we go through this, um, sorry, usually my notes are a little bit better. This is just a lot. Um, the horn of plenty is the cornucopia, um, and it is recalled by the modern Lithuanian food bear. So, um, it's also mentioned in the Septuagint as a translation of the words Karen Hapuk. Doesn't that sound kind of familiar? Uh, the paint horn or the horn of anonymity. In the book of Job, the cornice tibi of the Vulgate. Um, and then Ptolemy, you know, he tried to translated or whatever and did his little Greco-Persian thing, but it came out as Chris Goga's book and the Alcatoid. So the this uh this star has been through multiple, multiple names, multiple references. Uh but I do want to point out that Capella's place on Din- on the Dendera Zodiac is occupied by a mummied cat. And on, yeah, isn't that cool? <laughs> I thought that was really cool. Um, and in the outstretched hand of a male figure crowned with feathers, while always an important star in the temple of worship in the great Egyptian god Ptah, the opener, it is supposed to have borne the name of that divinity and probably was observed at setting at 17. 17- Wait, 1,700 B.C. from its temple. Um, this is also really cool. But um, so uh, at Karnak near Thebes, the No Amon, No Ammon, N-O-A-M-O-N, of the books of the prophet Jeremiah and Nahum, another recently discovered sanctuary of Ptah at Memphis, also was oriented to Capella. Um, so in India, it was also sacred as Brahma Ridaya, which is the heart of Brahma. And um, Hewitt considers Capella or Arcturus the Araman or Aramean of the Rig Veda. The Chinese had an asterism here formed by Capella, which they called the Wu Che. The five chariots, a similar resemblance. 
Uch. Ain't nothing to fuck with. <laughs> you know, Actually, I want to point. I want to point out that Jeremiah is uh, correspondent with Jerome. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bullfrog. And the toads, okay? Jeremiah was a bullfrog. I never understood a single <laughs> word he said. Okay, anyway. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, Mom Gabe. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so the Akkadian uh Dilgan Iku, the messenger of light. You'll find that a lot when, when it comes to Riga. Uh like, like Prometheus, um, all of that, like the the light bear uh coming into play when when we're talking about this constellation. Even in the pardon. Uh well uh we have a pentagram shape and we have a goat inside of it. And yeah. so that creates the you know the satanic pentagram. <laughs> so you're gonna have you're gonna have plenty of that going around for sure. <laughs> oh my god, I know. Actually, now that you bring that up, yo, it does it would not surprise me if that was like completely done on purpose. Like, what in the world? Damn it, Gabe. I'm never gonna look at your ego the same. <laughs> okay. So it's the patron. Oh well, yeah, it's the patron star of Babylon. Um yeah. it is known in Assyria as Aiku, the leader i.e. of the year for according to Sace in Akkadian times the commitments of the year was determined by the position of this particular star in relation to the moon at the vernal equinox um in this connection the star was also known as the star of Marduk hmm. mm. but subsequent to that date some of these titles were apparently applied to Hamal uh, Vega or Vega, depending on Kamal what is, uh, means, um, able, right? That's Habal, oh. and Cain is kind and Haval, H A V A L, and and Cain is cayenne, pepper, spicy. But, Uh, so anyway, um, uh, one cuneiform inscription supposed to refer to our or our capella as rendered by Jensen Ascar, the Tempest God, the Tempest, the Tempest. See, this is so exciting. Okay. Okay. It would be in the spring, which makes sense that there's a lot of storms in the spring, uh, right, uh-huh. right, right, right in the heart of the spring because it's in the because it's right on top of Taurus, so it's yep. smack dab in the middle of the springtime. So tempest makes a lot of sense. That's cool. It gets even cooler than that. Okay, so, um. In the tablet of the 37 stars bears the synonymous Ma'atu. So I don't know if you guys know that much about him. Here, let me see. If I know Ma'at is like the sky. No. But I don't know what Ma'atu is. 
it's not math. Yeah, because that's uh, related to female. Females come up with math. Ariga. Oh no! Have you read the no? <laughs> have you read even four branches of it? Of math? No, the Mabinagion. Oh, uh, Mabagonian. Potato, potato. Have yeah. you read it? Because I've read a few. Pages. It ain't no girl. It ain't no girl. Mathematics comes from <laughs> the feminine sciences and art, and all that comes from feminine. Guys use it, but that's why they have muses to get that information because they don't have it themselves. So they use the muses to get it from them because the women are the carriers of that info. I wouldn't doubt it, but fuck, fuck, fuck Mathanaway, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I swear to God, if I find myself in some sackcloth ash waiting to get hit on the head by a freaking hammer i'm gonna be pissed <laughs> and i'm gonna think about you guys in this conversation okay well i can't find anything about this person <sighs> except for songs but either way so i was listening to modest mouse i mean not modest <laughs> the mars volta and like oh three they open for system of a down and uh Name they drop. have this like uh, yeah, I'm name dropping. I went to that show. How could you not? Just kidding. It was I'm like joking. 03. Like, but so then they had this line in it, and it was like, Who is this effigy? Is that you or is it me? And then they mentioned this guy's name. And I was like, What in the world is that? So I went down like this long path. It's like the OG of the OG. Um, like Ma'atu? We're mm-hmm. still talking about him. Yes, okay. in the Tempest, Capella, it's all the same thing. Oh, okay. Okay, we're Coachella? Going, this is a very, this is a very important star. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, if if, if it has the reference to the Heart of Brahma, Armin, yeah. the Five Chariots, uh, the Messenger of Light, the Leader of the Akkadian, Star of Marduk, uh, the Star of Marduk, Ashkar, and Maatu. Like you yeah. talk about like the most evil of evil, right? Or were yeah. they evil, whatever? Um, well, I got, I'm I'm going to throw this while we're while we're talking about how important it might be. I've mm-hmm. always wondered if when they struck the Pentagon, mm. I have always wondered if the wall that they struck corresponds to Capella. Let's do it. Let's look it up right here. Because Let's get Capella it, out. Because it would be a sacrificial goat. Well, it was. We were. Yeah. It was. Okay. Yes. So when we pull up, because fucking, okay, Ariga Constellation, here we go. Because it, what side of the wall did the, <clears throat> what, which wall was hit in the Pentagon? Let me see if I can find that. I feel like it was the north, but I'm not sure. Well, then that's definitely Capella. Right. Uh, yeah, Capella. Keep keep talking, babe. Okay, keep yeah, because we got to get that. Okay, yeah. Anyway, 
Okay. So uh, the ancient Peruvians and the Chiquas, whose language was still spoken by their descendants, appeared to have devoted much attention to the stars and Jose de Acosta, the Spanish Jesuit and naturalist of the 16th century, said that every bird and beast on earth had its namesake in their sky. He cited several of the stellar titles identifying this star with Colca, singularly prominent with their uh, shepherds as Capella was with the same class on the Mediterranean in ancient days, indeed late. Indeed, and later also for the shepherd star. So you go all the way from these, like, you know, terrible things to the shepherd star, uh, which has been applied to it by our English poets, although more commonly to the planet Venus, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Shocker, shocker. Um, That's the two stars in, astrolog- in the sky right now are Jupiter and Venus, the two planets, right? I always tell people like it, yes. they're getting back together again because at one point uh, Yahweh divorced Asherah, but now it seems like they're coming into contact again. And I think there is something about the two, <sighs> uh, getting back together again that's in Revelation too. But uh, yeah, for, you're onto something. For you know, show. in uh, electric <laughs> in electric universe cosmology, they believe that uh, Venus was birthed out of. Uh, uh, Jupiter or shot through it, and that's what the the red eye, uh-huh. the red scar. Some people say that that was a uh, Venus out. coming, being shot out, and it's it also that red scar is the the bite that Eve took uh, out of the apple. Ooh. Yeah, there's a lot of fascinating the- theories around uh, Venus and Jupiter's relationship. And well, one's the greater benefic and one's the lesser benefic. So they're both they're both benefic planets. You know, they're not malefic at all. Like they're they're good planets to have, especially in like right there. You know. Yeah. So I, I looked it up. It was the west side, but oh. um, it says the uh, disintegrating in a ball of flame as it plowed through. Stop it. Stop. through three sections and so here we have the charioteer who invented the the plow that is being pulled by the by the assorted animals uh you in west side <laughs> west side that's uh in egyptology that's the that's death you know westing is the death oh. so yeah yeah because the sun oh dies the sun goes over so, the horizon in the west and that's the underworld right. yeah so can you pull the up the Westing a, House uh, is the Death House? Oh my God! I'm gonna try to screen share, share <laughs> screen. Okay. I want to show uh, West Side. Do my fingers crossed side. for you. West Side is the best <laughs> side. Can you guys see that? Yeah, it's coming. Hold on, almost. I can't see the Thinking. image, but you should. Oh, boom! There it is. Bada bing, bada boom. Okay. So, all right, I'm going to like use here, like, look at this. Okay. These are all, they are unnamed stars and these are all supposed to be like lashes, like the, you know, from the whip. Those are the lashes from the whip. And that's what I was sending you on Telegram the other day, a couple weeks ago, Gabe, uh, right here. Yes. Because the charioteer is riding, like, there's his face right here. Like, this is supposed to be his face, yo. (laughs) Right here. Like this other triangular aspect that we haven't gotten to yet but anyway anyway okay. um 
So yeah, um, we could you could stop my screen sharing if you want. You can stop it. You have um, to stop it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. So, uh, okay. So in astrology, Capella pretended civic and military honors in and wealth. Tennyson, who is a poet and uh, like not even that long ago poet, like. 18, 1900s Tennyson and some fine lines in his Maud, M-A-U-D, mentions it as a glorious crown. So it's funny how it just kind of like goes from it flip flops. It's like, remember how we were on the Bible uh, thing and we were seeing how cleave can go from cleave to cleave, you know, how one word can literally go through like every meaning. That's yeah. basically what's going on here. Um that's such a good point. It's true. Well, they were like in the Bible, it says, uh, you must cleave to your husband and wife. And I'm like, well, what do you mean cleave? Man, uh, literally Adam woke- cleaved <laughs> to Eve, I think it was, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So what did he do? Cut her off or hold on to her? You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. cleave, you, we literally are watching words change as we translate as the world turns you're literally seeing cleave turn to cleave you know what i mean so it's that's the shit wild that's the that's the tycho (laughs) shit man (laughs) and you know you know where uh most words are officiated from they come out of cleveland oh cleveland yeah is that bringing people together or tearing people apart I don't know, but Ohio is not in good shape right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was always, uh, it was never planned to stay in good shape. Ever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and like my grandfather's an engineer for the railroad or he's a retired engineer. And I'm like, yo, what's up with it? Like, and he was like, oh, people are just trying to make a lot of money. And I'm like, I don't think know man i don't know i don't know anyway uh so (laughs) uh where was i at okay oh as to its color astronomers are not agreed smith calling it bright white professor young calls it yellow and others say red or blue which lasted uh asserted to be by ptolemy alfragani and ricoli while the while those whose eyes are especially sensitive to that tint still find it such. Sorry, I forgot. Um, what are we talking about a specific star right now in Auriga or the whole uh thing? We're still talking about Capella. Okay, Capella. Capella. The fourth brightest star in the entire fucking sky. Okay. Yes, it's the it's the mother goat. It is the best star. I mean, no, 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 no. I'm in love with the crux, the Southern Cross, but like uh-huh. other than that, like this one's pretty freaking dope. Cause you see cleave go to cleave. It's really <laughs> cool. <laughs> if goats have cloven hooves. Oh, mm. <laughs> All right. And and then what is uh Vulcan? This is this is from Spock. He's a Vulcan. Mm-hmm. And Hephaestus is the god of the he's a derivative of the volcano god. How in the hell? I mean, come on. I feel like we were just really dumb or like something's happened to where we're just starting to figure all this shit out. I don't really know. Right. And this it's also the uh this is the sign for NASA. 
They have the vector sign on all their logos. It's mm. all about being clever, right? They think they're clever. Mm. And, uh, and then now we live in Cloverfield. God damn it. Oh, yeah. no way. <laughs> oh, man. What a trip. Um, and also, I think uh, I think this uh, the mother goat is uh, she uh, she also I think you mentioned this in one of the names early, but that's the wife of uh, Saturn, Saturn's wife, mm-hmm. is, is this mother goat as well. So it's, Saint it's so Isidore. Yes, so mm-hmm. significant. Okay, carry on. I'm all sorry. of it. All of this is, and I feel like I'm trying to skip over it because I'm like boring everyone, but like. I think this shit is the coolest thing ever and it's the most fascinating stuff ever. It helps me make sense of literally everything. Like I will pull this book out for reference and my notebook out for reference on the Bible. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Anyway. So what, what's going on? (laughs) So, um, uh, wait, where was that? Um, but, 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 so it's spectrum resembles that of the latter, but uh, Capella is virtually identical with the sun in physical constitution and furnishes in the model spectrum of the solar type. Now, this is the 2D of the classification of Father Angelosechi, the modern Roman astrologer. That's the type of, you know, planisphere we're talking about. Um, yellow and tinge and ruled throughout with innumer- innumerable fine dark lines. Vogel thinks it is uh, receding from our system at the rate of 15 and one-fourth miles a second. That's a lot. It is the most northern of all the first magnitude stars rising in the latitude of New York City at sunset about the middle of October and culminating at 9 o'clock in the evening uh, on the 19th of January. Thus, it is visible at some hour of every clear night throughout the year. So that's just Capella, which is interesting that it rises over New York City because we just did Argo Navis, which (laughs) does the same thing. (laughs) Like, that's wild to me. And it's in the Southern Hemisphere, not the Northern Hemisphere. So the fact that, like, New York City is like the target line. It, I, I don't know. I, I don't even know, but it's not. Okay. You know, one, one thing about Argo Navis uh, that blow, kind of blows my mind is the story of Operation High Jump. They say that they went down there, a bunch of UFO Nazi flying machines, cut one of the uh, American battleships in half with a laser beam. Well, Argo Navis is half of a boat. Yeah, it's cut in half and it's in and it's way down in the extreme south. So the whole mythology of Operation High Jump has uh, Cosmo drama uh, baked into it and and etched into our psychology forever. Oh, so etched into our psychology. The the Ark too, Noah's Ark. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It actually does. And I don't want to like go back in time because we just did one on the Argo Navis. But I did want to tell you, uh, it's like the camel style. Like, hold on. Uh, What it says about. uh, uh, Sorry, I've got it. Everything like crazy, crazy, crazy. So like the 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 bow of the the prow was uh, made of speaking 
uh, wood from the Dona wood. So therefore, Pallas Athena or Athena could stick her eye in there and watch them and talk to them, which is nuts to me. So all these people are actually working for, you know, Athena, basically, you know, it, it's not. Wow, that is super cool. Thank you for that nugget. Yeah, no problem. Uh, there's a lot that like I didn't get to go through because uh, we definitely this is a it's a long one, just like this one. So but there's like so many nuggets that I try to drop here and there and hopefully like people, will you know, listen or, or care and have to listen or whatever. Uh, but the second brightest star is uh, beta. It's uh, 2.1 magnitude and it's a lucid yellow. It's called Minkalinen, 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 Minkalina, Al Man Cab Del Al Anon. Those are the names. Like that's how it's gone from an order. Like um, it's the same name, but that's how it's been translated in different ways. But it is the shoulder of the rain holder, um, which marks the uh, solstice collier passing. At two degrees to the east, the star itself being about 10 degrees east of Capella, it is supposed to be a very close binary, receding from us about 17 and a half miles per second. The two practically equal stars that compose of the pair being only seven and a half millions of miles apart and revolving in a period of about four days, which by the relative velocity of fully 150 miles a second. So I think that's really cool, too. Uh, the lines in this spectrum double and undouble every two days. Whoa. <laughs> like DNA or something. It's like. <laughs> wow. That I is know. freaky. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, so the third is a 2.1 magnitude. It's a brilliant white. It's called al Cobb. Dillonian. Uh, I like to say uh, Lillian, uh, Alcadillion, but who knows? I don't speak Arabic. The heel Kalab. of the rain older. Isn't uh, Kalab the one that they think is the center of the galaxy? Uh, the Mormons? Oh, I know it. I think it has, I think it means like ready for war or battle uh-huh. ready. I might Caleb, be tripping. Caleb. It might be a different one. Yeah, if anybody would know, it'd be you. Um, whatever. <laughs> you always think so more. <laughs> now, I was listening to this podcast about this actual um, constellation. And the Mormons actually have a lot to do with this, to be honest. I didn't want to get into Mormonism because I'm always no, on to some weird shit like that. Keep going. You don't, yeah. you don't got much longer left. We need to get to Gabe, too. And oh I, my gosh, okay. So um okay. I'll just kind of like go so uh it's also called Shahamilaya or Al Karn Al Thor Al Shamalaya. Uh it is the northern horn of the bull, and uh it is in the the two in the ankles of the goat's attendants. Number four is a 4.1 magnitude yellow, and it's called Prajapati. 
and it is the Lord of created beings, a title also used uh, for Orion and to Corvus. Um, this Shura Siddhanta devotes the considerable space to it, but why so faint and conspicuous a star should be found among the few of which Hindu astronomers have taken particular notice is not easy to discover. Uh, and then the Chinese included uh, um, near Cassiopeia in the asterism Paku, the eight serials. Mm. Uh, all I could think of was Shirley, Shirley Temple when I read that. Um, number five is the Almaz, the he goat. Um, and it is later appeared to be one of the commentaries on Ulig Beg. Uh, but Kazwini um, knew it by the general title Al Alms, though it was not in his Al Inaz, the group of the goats. Some modern list it, some modern list include it with the kids. Um, number six is. Um, a four-point magnitude. It's orange, and it is uh, the western one of the kids, or Hipparchos and Ptolemy, the Haedi, H-A-E-D-I, of the Latins. Pliny made uh, them a separate constellation, so it looks like the nose almost on Auriga. Like, if you're looking at it, like, sideways, like, it's like that triangle that comes out of Auriga, you know? Um, um, and on. Sorry, Kolob, K-O-L-O-B. It's a star in the universe that is or is near the physical throne of God. Kolob, sorry. Wow. I don't know. So that's not Caleb, but Kolob, K-O-L-O-B. Sorry, carry on. I just wanted to yeah. correct myself. <laughs> oh, God, if I had enough time to do that, we'd be here for hours. Um. <laughs> So what I think is very interesting about this one is that um, there's an open, um, it's like the poet Callimachus of 240 BC wrote an epigram of the Anthologia. Tempt not the winds forewarned of dangers nigh when the kids glitter in the western sky. So you know how like Twilight speak or like the way that poets spoke was actually like code for other things, you know. Sure, so yeah. yeah. Uh Virgil they, Virg they might that he might be uh referring to the torrid meteor showers. He is. Yeah. And they're, they're they fascinate me because they have like they come out of two centers. So, mm -hmm. like, if you imagine, like, light speed in Star Wars, where the, all the lights are coming from one center point, but now imagine that coming out of two separate center points at the same time, which is kind of mind-boggling, but it's a, it's like the horns of a bull. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, look out, because you got two things coming at you at the same time. Oh, so, my God. That's what's unique about the uh, the torrid meteor showers. And so it kind of would maybe explain why so much attention is focused in this general area. Because they're like, what the hell is that? When the torrid 
yeah, yeah. they're like i mean i don't know so I, have to, like the I running look of into bowls. this daily probably that yeah. associated with that yes there's so much packed mm. into the you know i mean even the word bible it's like two double in the bowl so it's probably a reference to this very unique meteor shower so i miss like Capella has like multiple stars that look like it. Okay. So there's like a class of stars that are identical to Capella around Capella that go all the way to Capella H. Imagine that. You know what I mean? So um, like I, I could get into like all of the different ones, but that would take up like two hours. Um, so I will t- I'll telegram this over to you guys. So you, if you guys want to know more about the, you know, different capellas or what have you. Um. So uh, then we're gonna go down to the center of the figure where Kozwini's Al Hiba, which is the tent. The tent is in every constellation that I've had so far. The tent. Um, which is weird there's a Riga global investors uh in madrid spain investors yeah they're investors it's a bank it says Riga is an international top player and italian leader and omnichannel bank software thanks to his 25 plus years in the it banking industry that, tr- that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, so uh, Sigmund Freud put forward the theory that uh, the God of the he, of the Israelites, old school back in the day, probably not today, but way back then, that they were worshiping a volcano God. Mm-hmm. They and, were. Yeah. Yes. And, <laughs> and they so, forced us to do it, too. They probably still and they are. most definitely <laughs> are. I mean, can we just get real? <laughs> yes, yes. So, but that makes a lot of sense because of metallurgy and mm-hmm. uh, you know alloy alloys, treasures, uh, crystals, diamonds. All those things come from the foot of the mountain, the yeah. sa- the sacred uh, mm. geomantic force that is you know worthy of attention. Oh man, wait, this is about to get crazier because, um, so, uh, this same start. So, um, is he had Alhir, the fawn on the Borgian globe is what it was called. Um, it was called Sin Huang, which is the heavenly pool, um, Okay, so there's a yellowish fifth magnitude nova known as T. Arige, um, which has excited so much interest in the astronomical world by the character of its spectrum, uh, subsequent to the optical discovery that it was identified on a photographic plate taken in the 10th of December previously, but not on the 8th, thus indicating that its appearance in the sky between those two dates happened um yeah 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 um so what the thing about 
Ariga that I have totally missed over is the fact that um, it has a lot to do with Mount Ida and it has a lot to do with uh, Mount Hamilton. So here I'll get to that. Uh, hold on, sorry. Um, okay, so according to an earlier version, the nurse, so like in Greek mythology, you know how they like, how it's the snakes are like always having something to do with being like guardians of something like a box or anything to do with mm -hmm. God or the Godhead or what have you. So these nurse nymphs, Amalthea with her sister, Melissa fed the infant God with goats, milk and honey on Mount Ida. Wow. Uh, and Mount Ida is a place, there's actually a place in Arkansas called Mount Ida, and it is the crystal capital of the entire world. What? And it's located on Lake Hamilton. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I've got to, I got to throw this in the mix while we're on while we're domestic while we're stateside sure uh what is the name for the great caldera the the great uh, super volcano of the united states yosemite is it just the great caldera yeah it's the one that is under yosemite it's under colorado it's it's the super duper volcano it's the biggest volcano anywhere are we talking about the the tectonic plates that hold on <clears throat> that made the rivers flow backwards in 1812. Right. Uh, well, it's not a it's not a Titanic plate, but if it has this to do with that. Yeah, because if this volcano burps, farts, or sniffles, it's mm -hmm. gonna make everything go weird. Hold it's on. A, the Yellowstone the caldera. Yellowstone caldera. Thank you. Yes, because that is the granddaddy of all volcanoes. Uh, all this Greek mythology over in the Middle East, it it pales in comparison to the potential of the idea that Vulcan actually lives here in the United States. Well, yeah. I mean, if you want to get really weird about it, I <laughs> yeah. mean, seriously weird about it. Uh, like, like uh, some people say that we're like on different time zone like different timelines like new madrid like the new madrid fault line is the one that runs through arkansas missouri illinois and tennessee and kentucky right so it's yeah. a seismic zone it's huge and it made our rivers flow backwards but some people say that we are like either the cradle of civilization that we are the future of the cradle of civilization i don't really know when it comes to timelines and time zones so i'm going to keep this linear but i am going to say there are a lot of uh, things in our country that have uh similarities to these um these these stories that we've read from hundreds yes. of years ago and absolutely worse. absolutely yeah so uh let's see so yeah um the so you said you said mount ida and then you had another location oh mount, mount ida sits on uh it's lake hamilton 
Oh, that's it. That's it. Yes. So when it comes to Hamilton in, um, when it comes to Arigua, hold on, I'll show you, or I'll tell you, I have it put aside. I have it written down. Um, it is also a mountain that has to do with, hold on, um, with what we're talking about. <clears throat> I wish that like normal things would pop up when you Google important stuff, but it doesn't. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, it's like a, I'll, I'll also telegram you guys that too, because it, it is definitely in my notes that I wrote down. But anyway, Mount Ida is supposed to be where the, um, uh, those two sisters took their uh that box the box the god box i don't even know like you know the god box that the snakes hold or whatever and yours box and like no like when they're floating down the river and the medusa's like do not open this i don't pandora's but yeah i guess and uh she's like wow don't open this shit. I don't care what you do, what you say. Don't open it. And they do. These these two nurses, the the wet nurses, the snakes or whatever, they open it. Um, and it, it says it fed the infant god, the nymph Amalthea, with her sister Melissa, fed the infant god with goat's milk and honey on Mount Ida. <laughs> Let's see if it says anything about. Which anyway, I think is interesting because not only is it a real place, it is a real place on Lake Hamilton in Arkansas, the crystal capital of the entire world. And the city that it is in is called Joplin. So it all like kind of correlates to me. I don't know. Um. But, uh, so Zeus, his weapon is a javelin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Zeus was hidden in on, on Mount Ida as well. So that's just interesting. When I hear Joplin, I always think of all things Jove, Zeus, Jupiter, electricity, javelins, and throwing weapons. That's pretty, that's pretty neat. You should definitely uh, come... Seriously, uh, Daniel and I went to like the Onyx Cave. We have so many cave systems. We live on top of an aquifer. We ha- the crystal capital of the entire world. Literally, people come here and mine for diamonds. If you find a diamond, you just get to keep it. Like it's <laughs> our this state is insane, and it's insanely poor too. I don't. I totally don't get it, but it all goes together right there. You just mm-hmm. said it. Right pithos, the pithos box. Ah, okay. So Which it became invisible. Pandora's box. Yeah, buddy. Wow. Those, those snakes were like, we're gonna open this yeah. shit up. Be be careful typing in Medusa's box. You don't want to know what you find. <laughs> Ew, what what well. <laughs> did you turn to stone? Uh, no, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> oh man. what was Side that eye. one thing that, 
what was that one thing that people were like, don't, don't, um, don't look up like, uh, oh, pur- purple vagina or something like oh, that. Blue waffle. <laughs> blue waffle. Yes. And I'm like, well, dumb. I'm look that shit up. Yeah. Oh, don't, God, do don't, look up, don't look Probably up blue that. waffle and don't look up the Greek magical papyri. Um, <laughs> there's no side eye in that shit <laughs> are, you, are you almost done babe yes okay so it um so we're gonna uh, um, this is it this is all we're gonna talk about um the uh the fifth magnitudes were seen huang the heavenly pool with another um unidentified star chu which is a pillar uh, Thomas D. Anderson of Edinburgh discovered that T. Arigae Nova, and subsequent to the optical uh, discovery, it was identified on a photographic plate taken on the 10th of December, previously taken on the 8th, blah, blah, blah. We already went through that, but here we go, here we go, here we go with what we were talking about. It became invisible towards the end of April 1892 but was rediscovered from Mount Hamilton on the 19th of August as a planetary nebula. So here we have Mount Ida, Hamilton, which they dammed, which it, it's crazy because it's it's a dam. It's not a lake. <clears throat> um, and all of these things that have to do with electricity right here, right here in this one freaking um, constellation. Anyway, so, um, yeah, uh, the fifth magnitude stars, which are the ones that look, the ones that I circled and I was like, Gabe, what does this look like to you? And they're like little X's, but if you turn them, they actually look like uh, swastikas, you know, like they haven't been named. So if you turn these stars, they will literally look like they're like, go like a swastika, right? So, um uh they were the goads or the latin dolones called stimulus by tibullus uh bayer said of them decent stellule flagellium constituents oh. <laughs> as figured by drewer they are the several lashes of the whip in the charioteer's hands and that is all i got Oh my gosh, that just that was great. blows my mind. I know. <laughs> I know, I know. It's so freaking cool, right? So so the whip um is also uh uh the Opus Dei, who yeah. are like a militarized branch of the Vatican. They're hardcore, hardcore self-hating mofos. <laughs> and they self-flatulate. Mm. And they <laughs> And they use the and they use the cat of nine tails, is the is the device that they use to whip yeah. themselves. I remember Are we in uh, about some my book, the Da Vinci like... Code. Sorry, not my book, but another day. Yes, Da Vinci Code. Uh, <laughs> the guy, the guy, the the albino guy used to, was like always whipping himself in the back. Yeah, like some form of like sin as to take away sin or take away uh like a, when they had like a bad thought they would whip themselves to try to train themselves into not doing that and so they would just yes. end up with all kinds of lashes on their back 
uh, because they're yes. trying to. Uh, is that why people self-harm, you think? Yeah, it is. It become it becomes erotic. They literally get off on it. There's a there's a, a chemical release and you can get hooked on that shit. And I think that Machiavelli, I think mm-hmm. Niccolo Machiavelli, Tupac. I think he was encoding it in his writing. He talks about uh, collecting threshes. Mm-hmm. I went out into the into the countryside and collected a few threshes and had at least six threshes before the end of the night. Because and I, think I he... had sex with five little boys underage. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think he's he's encoding that he's a he's a practitioner of these opus day oriented, uh, and they get they go into a, a a whole different mind state. You know, they literally whatever travel in in their weird crazy way. Right, right. Gets Which I mean, like I mean, of, uh, what's that? Uh... Yeah, I know what you mean. I can't remember what that's called. Well, but... they're not allowed to do anything else. Shit, they're not even allowed to have sex, right? Right, and and they love Jesus so much that they want to feel the pain that he did, oh. and so it's their form of it's their form of communing with the Christ. Flogger. Yeah, um, you flogging, see, I don't believe that flogging Molly. I think a flogging Molly. Actually, I got lost <laughs> in that mosh pit one time. <laughs> you get um, lost so, in your house i know but i got, really got lost at vlogging molly which is a place you don't want to get lost in um so but do you think that these people actually know that they are summoning the demiurge or do you think that they think that they're doing the right thing they probably have been those guys from back then they have been convinced since youth that they are the chosen ones, that this is the way. They, I mean, they were brought up in hardcore, hardcore mind control. Yeah, you the got myth, it. The, the Mithraic cults, all of that. Yeah, I. But it started from the Hippistes, which is Hipparchos, which you know goes all the way down. The but like the hippopotamus, <laughs> finally got, got it. it. Finally got its, you it's know, the unicorn um, hippopotamus. <laughs> <laughs> it finally the, got its cornucopia, man. The hippo horn, <laughs> horny yes. horn hippo. Yes. So, I mean, I just think that's freaking crazy because uh, I don't know. Like on episode one, we I like basically tried to break down like how it went from you know just literal like liturgy to theurgy to pl- Platonism and how Platonism has definitely. You know, I, I try to put it like the whole first episode is basically about philosophy and how it is like a construct pretty much and how it started from Zoroaster's cave, right? So that's that's where they learned all this shit. So like, which is nuts. It's nuts if you get in. Don't go down that rabbit hole. That's a long one to go down. <laughs> Zoroaster's cave. Oof. Uh-huh. But anyway, yeah. So I, I just was wondering if like, now these people like maybe have an idea of what the f- if I'm a normal person like average person accountant that knows what the fuck's going on then there's got to be other people that do too especially that work there like that's nuts that's nuts right mm-hmm. so I've got some graphics on Ariga I'd love to share with you guys oh. let's see if I can I'm gonna try my luck 
Let's see. Screen. Do, do, do. Zoom. Okay. Happy full moon, you guys. Oh, happy full moon. It's a low rising full moon, huh? Is my screen showing yet? Yeah, yep. you You're got showing. it. I'm showing your phone and okay. your phone and my phone number. And your phone number. <laughs> oh shoot. It's okay. Oh, I don't know how that to. It's okay. <laughs> he can so figure sorry. that out. <laughs> I don't know how that to. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, so where to start here? Okay. Okay, I'm gonna go with uh I'm gonna start with Descartes. You guys see this? Heart. Okay. I'm loving this. Okay. Yes. So Descartes Descartes has a lot in common with uh, this uh, Eric Thonius, uh, Riga, Hephaestus, Vulcan. Uh, One of the common themes of this lineage is that they are born lame. That when when they're born, they have some sort of malformity or... uh, inability of of one sort or another and you'll find that theme in a lot of characters through history so descartes has that in common descartes said that he tapped into some sort of spirit that inspired him and he was uh uh clearly uh created a construct that a lot of people still base their entire worldview on the mind body split the cartesian split And uh, Juan and Thomas from Paranoid American, they just did a, a whole deep dive on Descartes and, yes. brought, and brought up the fact that he was taking some kind of psychedelic snuff and uh, literally going on like Merkaba uh, spirit journeys out of body. Like a and magic so, carpet ride. Like a magic carpet ride. <laughs> so, so, um, what is really trippy, uh, so Hephaestus, in his story, in his mythology, he uh, gets kicked out of um, Olympus when he's young. He has to earn his way back into the good graces of uh, the Olympian gods, and he has to manipulate and bribe his way back in. And then he gets kicked out a second time. Well, mm-hmm. So he, he was discarded when he was a baby. And he gets kicked out again later. Well, the word Descartes uh, in French means discarded, the Mm. discarded one. And also when you uh, run it through Portuguese, uh, Descartes is a jitter, which is very correspondent to the charioteer. Yes. Um, And so all the things about Descartes, uh, to me, are screaming out that his muse was Auriga the charioteer? Oh, most mm. definitely. Yes, that was very and, similar to Ivar the Boneless, uh, son of Ragnar in the Viking show. Yeah, buddy, you yeah. got a great call. So yeah, here we have he was handicapped uh, all his life by a fragile health, led him to a particularly never get up before eleven o'clock. So he was like laying around a lot, which is kind of like you know this. Uh, Auriga, charioteer who is uh, lame, lame-legged. Lame-legged. And, 
And probably incest. Probably a <laughs> result of incest. Bingo. You're <laughs> totally nailing it. So then I want to bring up this guy. His name is Hero. Hero. Uh, Hero of Alexandria. Now, Hero of Alexandria did not have the lame, the lameness. He was, uh, as far as I know, but he was an inventor and an engineer and an innovator. And so much like Descartes, much like Ariga, uh, Hephaestus was a creator of, uh, of weapons and ingenuity. This guy, uh, a hero of Alexandria, was known to make many, many fascinating creations. And he was an inventor ahead of mm -hmm. his time. And he, and he invented this. Can you see this ball? Yeah. Uh, this is the first steam engine. It's basically a sphere that when it heats up under uh, above this uh, this altar, the ball will start to blow steam and spin faster and faster as the speed as the steam picks up. So this guy, <sighs> this guy invented the steam engine. This is uh... literally the origin of the steam engine. And now things get all crazy because we are beginning to realize that the Greeks had uh, like mechanics beyond anything we've been told. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they had mechanical abilities far beyond anything we were told. So I'm putting this guy on the on the pile of lineages that tie into the ingenuity of this Riga charioteer, Hephaestus, Vulcan. God of the forge, God of the smithy, and the ability to harness fire for the, uh, you know, for the betterment of mm. society, we could say. When you are talking um, about the goats also, and the, relating to the charioteer, charioteer, it made me think of Thor, uh, who was, had a chariot oh, pulled right. by two goats, two goats. Right, yes, and we're in Taurus. We're mm -hmm. in the constellation of Taurus, so there's your Thor, Hawthor, big time. And the hammer is a symbol of the blacksmith. Mm -hmm. Big time. Good call, Dan. Okay. That's so interesting is... because uh, after you do Boetes, it's uh, another constellation. I forget the name of it at the, the second. What is it called? Uh, starts with a C. But anyways, it means the chisel. Oh, snap. Mirsa, the shmear worm? <laughs> no, not the shmear <laughs> So, So this card, this, this, things get really fascinating here. And, uh, and it's really the neat. The screen! Yes, a Shrek. I love so, it. So this is actually, we're having this conversation. I didn't know we were going to do a Riga. Uh, but this is going to be my next move on uh, on my channel, my Slick yes. Dissident Shared Learning Experience. I'm moving right into this uh, to this Aeon card. So in most uh, tarot decks, this is the Judgment card, or excuse mm -hmm. me, yeah, yeah, the uh, the Judgment card. Uh, but the Thoth deck is unique, and uh, uh, Crowley and Frida Harris they put they put this Aeon card in its place. And so what would have been uh, in the position above Taurus, which Taurus is the um, 
Uh, oh, goodness. Give me a second. Uh, that constellation is oh, called Calum, and Calum is right, known as right. the chisel. Okay. There you go. So uh, the standard first pass on Taurus is the Hierophant card, uh, mm. number five. And then as the uh, tarot cards arc around the second pass, card number 20 is usually judgment. In the Thoth deck, it is this card, the Aeon card. And it's very unique card, uh, and it's very significant uh, So in so many ways. But I'm going to just put forward that the scream, the artist who made the scream, uh, it's one of the most famous paintings in art. Love it. I want and a big one. Yes. His name was uh, Ed, uh, let me get it in there. Edward Munch. Munch. And so Munch drew the scream. Uh, based on a moment that he had, a real life experience that he had, and we're gonna—I'm gonna reveal that in a second. Uh, he actually was in this location on a day with the red sky, and I'll reveal what that was all about. And he had this uh, this powerful, overwhelming feeling, and he was inspired in that moment to do the entire series. There's like 50 different screams out there. There's One got stolen of- from um, Oslo, actually. Yes, that's where he that's his motherland. He was yep. he was off the coast of Oslo, which by the way is just a a missile a bazooka launch away from where the uh the uh Nord Stream pipeline got hit. Mm. So th- that potentially sparking off all kinds of conflict is very interesting that it was right off the shore of where the scream originated in in real life where it was inspired. That's crazy. And it was years later that Ed, Edvard Munch, Munch, he painted Frederick Nietzsche. And he painted Nietzsche on the other side of the same fucking bridge with the same fucking sky as the screen. And so I'm really excited about this, if you can't tell. Uh, no, I'm excited about that, too, because I've seen several, several different versions of the Scream, and I've never seen one with Nietzsche on the other side of the bridge. It's usually just normal people walking or like, you know, yeah. obviously the sound of nature, but like, right. you know what I'm saying? I've never seen that one. That's amazing. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for that. That'll be yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, this is wild. Yeah. So, so, uh. So some people have said that the scream is the uh, the expression of the human soul when it finds out that God is dead. Mm. When when humanity catches up with what Nietzsche was laying down, everybody's supposed to be like uh, uh, Macaulay Culkin when he finds out he's home alone, and we're all supposed to ah freak out, right? What what yes. God's name is well, in scream? What God? Ea, ea. Yeah. Wow, man. Oh, Rhea. It's Rhea. Enki is in Scream. EA. EA is in heaven and heaven is in earth. It's in ocean. Wow. It's in Scream. It's in great. Uh, Right. And Rhea is the the is the mother goat. Yep. Potentially. That's the mother goat of of Capella. Wow, guys. Wow, 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 wow. This is fun. <laughs> yeah. This is fun. Okay, so now I'm going to uh, big reveal. Uh, the moment that Edward Munch 
I always got to check. The moment that he had that overwhelming sensation was in, let me see if I get this right, 1983. I got to zoom in. I'm going to just read it. Munch recalled that he had been out for a walk at sunset when suddenly the setting sun's light turned to clouds a blood red. He sensed an un, an infinite scream passing through the through nature. Scholars have located the spot on a fjord overlooking Oslo and have suggested other explanations for the unnaturally orange sky ranging from the effects of a volcanic eruption to the psychological reaction uh, by Munch to his sister's commitment at a nearby lunatic asylum. The volcano that they're talking about is Krakatoa. Mount Krakatoa erupted. It was uh, having a bad year in 1983. It was going off, but it erupted exactly on Vulcanalia, 827. (sighs) August 27th, the day of observance for the volcano, Mount Krakatoa went off and it blew fucking all kinds of, uh, it, the debris from that eruption circled the earth, if you believe in a circular earth, seven times. Oh it my went God. around the earth seven times. And guess what? 1983 is the year that Nietzsche's syphilis kicked in and his insanity went full blown. That is and freaking so- insane. That's and, so, and so this moment is immortalized in pop culture when Obi-Wan Kenobi, who is the Hierophant card, he is the Hierophant card, corresponded to this Aeon card, also in Taurus, when Obi-Wan Kenobi says, I felt a great disturbance in the Force, as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. And now what we have in this sentence is called enantiodromia. This is the uh, running of opposites, uh, uh, running their natural course. Because first was the crying out, and then inevitably it comes to a silence, right? Look closely at the Aeon card. Aeon card is putting the Hippocratic gesture of the secret. It's it's telling you, shush, Mm. shush. And what is the scream doing? It's crying out. Mm. So the enantiodromia of the scream was answered by this card right here, which is a magma chamber. Uh, it's an eruption. It's the exact same uh, color scheme as the scream card. But this this nut, this dark blue figure that is arcing over the egg, uh, it is not only the night sky of Uranus and Newt, uh, the uh, uh, Titanic patriarchs, uh, but it is also a node. This is the north node yeah. of the lunar standstill. This is a, a solar, or no, a lunar eclipse symbol. It's the symbol of an eclipse. It's the, isn't that the omega symbol too? Yeah, yes, it would totally be an omega symbol. Or the horseshoe. So or a horseshoe, yes, which would be what he puts on his on his on his animals. Mm-hmm. Which all is interesting of the animals pulling his chariot. They tell you never to put a horseshoe upside down because the luck runs out. But the horseshoe oh, upside down is a is an yeah. omega symbol. So Or a north node. 
We're North We're Node. North Node. <laughs> yes. It's nuts hair, love, right? Uh, it's it's the hair of Nuts. And I love that she's doing like a back bend or something because have you guys seen that? Where uh, in the, I think it's in the Dendera temple where the female is like stretched over everyone and all mm-hmm. the stars are inside of her. Yeah, that's nuts. totally, totally. Knew it. Knew it. Yeah. So, so it's nude, nut is the north node. Mm. Wow. Isn't it, isn't it fascinating how fractal our language is? Oh, no, it's scary how fractal yes. our language is. And then I'll, I'll share this one last thing, because this will bridge into uh, Buotes in a, just a far out way. Uh, just this week, big love to J-Lo out there. Uh, love you, J-Lo. Love you, J-Lo. Big love, J-Lo. Uh, she brought forward, there's pages and pages on this, but I just uh, highlighted this last, uh, the ending, the synopsis of it. There is a person uh, who made this article is making the claim that the constellation of Auriga is overexpressed in, when we uh, when we give it the pentagonal shape. It actually we're giving it one star that it officially should not have. They have like uh, uh, sit downs where they decide the the boundaries of these constellations. And this person makes a really good case uh, uh, that Auriga should actually be shaped like a kite. Or a and house. It, well, yeah. And the the idea of us taking one star away and the whole thing taking on the shape of a kite, that kind of freaks me out. It should. I, yeah. Well, I've I've already found like six or seven powerful correspondences between Auriga the charioteer and Buotes, where we're gonna go next in this mm-hmm. next in the next segment here. So if Auriga is shaped like a kite. It's it's kind of freaky because um because it's so close to Canis Major and Canis Minor, um where uh, over in Buotes where we're about to go over mm. in the fall, there's actually two dogs over there as well. Yep. And um, we're all we've already mentioned the horn. You were talking about the uh, the horn of plenty, and the Quantico horn of you. yeah, and the, yes. the horn of anonymity. The tent has a lot to do with the kite, too, uh, by the way, like in future constellations, especially like when you come to constellations that are badly shaped kites or, you know, uh-huh. supposed to be kites. A lot has to do with tents and like jewel boxes and like it, it gets really weird. Um, that's, that's intense. It's so it's it's very intense. <laughs> it's scary, but yeah, it's true, and it's really cool though. That's amazing. So uh, I'm just going to read this real quick from what uh, uh what J Lo gave us. Big love, J Lo. Love you, uh, J Lo. But that is the size of the smaller star in the epsilon system. The larger star is a ghost. It gives a virtually. It gives us virtually none of the light by which we see Epsilon, but every 27 years, as we see them circling, tilted to our line of sight, the edge of the big dark star grazes across the front of the lower edge of the smaller bright star, and the visible Epsilon loses about half of its light. Now, for the size of this ghost companion, if the Earth is pictured... the the size of a baseball, then the ghost star, believe it or not, 
is a globe 15 miles in diameter. Yep. So that really freaked me out because in this, um, let's see if I can, because in this card, we have a ghost image. There's this ghost of this, uh, this coming aeon that is being breathed out by, uh, uh, I think it's Osiris on the throne there. The um, breath. The breath. Yes. Oh, shoot. I was yeah. wondering if that was a homunculi or what that was. Okay. Now, now we're clear on what that is. All right. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, so I'll just start off real quick. If we're going to start getting into Buote, so it's called the great void. There are mm-hmm. other voids in the, in the, whatever, in the known systems. But none of them are as big as Buotes. So it is uh it holds the precedent of being the largest of voids. And uh, uh our brother Chance has pointed out that there are stars in there. It's not like you can't see anything whatsoever, but it's uh but those stars are on the other side of this gap of information. Yeah. So so you can see things in there, but there's a. It's just that there's a really large space with nothing represented. Fairies uh, wear boots. But I just want to see. What's that? Fairies wear boots. <laughs> you gotta, Keep a hole in your shoes, man. <laughs> you gotta believe me. <laughs> so. Well, uh, uh, joke I put this you. Black Sabbath. I, I threw this together at the last minute uh, on the, before we uh, put the show together because a while back, uh, uh, Mario and Juan were uh, having a, a power weave uh, a long time ago. And they mentioned how um, in The Cat in the Hat, there is a part in the story where they hear a knocking at their mother's uh, bedroom on the bedroom wall. And it turns out that it's a kite banging on the wall. And I think it was Mario who just like very vaguely implied that that's a virgin birth, that your mom's bedroom wall, the bed on the your mom's wall is like, you know, impregnation. And the fact that it turns out that it was a kite banging on the wall, well, the kite constellation is Buotes and is in Virgo. And so there's like this uh, immaculate conception that that was encoded in the cat in the hat. And so I've kind of picked up that weave that they laid down. So big love to our brothers. Uh, But I've picked it up and I've taken it to a whole nother level. (laughs) Well, don't if you're going to go into that, don't forget about Mary Poppins then. Like the Marian apparition, like Mary Poppins. She's like... Let's go fly a kite. Blah blah blah. They're all about flying kites up in that movie. Oh my goodness, that's a great call. And it's Mary Virgo. Yep. In, yep. Great call. And she's magical. Totally. And she she has a carpet bag. <laughs> <laughs> she pulls her lampstand out of it. Okay. It's <laughs> pretty freaking magical. I know. So what's kind of getting me, I did not expect this uh, graphic I made to tie in so well because I didn't know we were going to do a Riga. Mm-hmm. But notice how there are two kites. There's thing one and thing two. 
And mm. so the, there are, you could say maybe one of the kites is Auriga, uh, per that one fella's theory. And the other kite here is Buotes. Uh, so that just seems synchronous. And it is. Yes. And um, I'm going to zoom in. You notice how the fish is in this uh, teacup, the tea kettle? Oh, yeah. But the tea kettle is, some people could say that's Sagittarius, because Sagittarius looks like a tea kettle for sure. Yes. But, but I'm going to say that's crater. That is this cup right here, mm-hmm. which which is a sacred vessel on the belly of Hydrus. Yeah. Or no, excuse me, I want to be clear. Hydra, not Hydrus, Hydra. Hydra, does it have the air pump underneath it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I Wait, might. Maybe I think they it took did. that out. Maybe they took out the air pump. But there used to be a, a helium air pump that would like pump helium into hydra which i thought was crazy i think you're right there's some weird mechanisms right underneath it that are i think off screen here you're totally right i think i don't think it's a constellation anymore but i think we still were like what is that yeah yeah well what gets me in all of this is we have the title of the of the uh dr seuss story is cat in the hat well, right mm-hmm. here we have a cat, Leo, and right here, Coma Berenices is the hat. Mm. It's a it's a big wig. It is a wig. And so we have a cat, a hat, a kite, a crater cup with a on a string on some sort of rope. Like all the ingredients are here, and even this uh, thing. I don't know if that's thing one or thing two. But <laughs> He's knocking this lamp over, and the lamp yep. is off. It's off balance. Well, look at the scales of balance. Ooh. And, this, and since we're going into the fall season, that light is falling. The sun is is getting low, and the night is coming on. Ooh. And so we're we're entering into chaos, and it just it all just blows my mind how cosmologic. Um, uh, even children's art is, you know, they catch us young. Oh, I know. Oh, absolutely. And also like cat in a hat um, reminds me of like a catastrophe, but like a music note, uh, like if it's a line with like a box on top of it, it looks like a hat, but it means to rest. Oh. Mm. So like rest, it's a rest. Yes. Yeah. Which it's just really, they get you young and it's purposeful. Yeah. It's so, yeah, it's so profound. And I guess because we're, uh, the sun is becoming weak, right? And we, we go in the fall. So it's time for the sun to take a rest. Yes. Yeah. It is. Take a rest. Put that hat on. So, so uh, that graphic I just made before the show, but this graphic I made a few months back, and this was uh, in September. Uh, and um, this I made this graphic probably a couple weeks before Mario and Juan had that conversation, um, because uh, Kardashian here, uh, she had her butt hanging out 
wearing a jock strap with her little booty hole showing to the to the world. And I was like, uh, the name of the magazine is Interview. And so I altered it and I made it anterior view. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're looking at her backside. Um, and I just kind of, uh, I realized, oh, because it's her booty. She's showing yeah. her booty. So I'm thinking about Bowotes because her booty is hanging out, right? Yeah, that's a big thing right now, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah, she's vacant. She's she's a void of uh, she's void of humanity. She's an absent, empty vessel. Mm-hmm. And so when the guys mentioned the cat in the hat thing, I was like, oh, I'm going to superimpose the cat in the hat onto the Borotes constellation here, right? Right. And, but <gasps> when I when I did it, I did not even I wasn't thinking about it. Look how the American flag corresponds with the stripes of the cat in the hat oh my god that was an accident i was just crisscrossing the symbols and now i'm like wait a second the cat in the hat and the stripes of the flag match what what did i just accidentally create here (laughs) (laughs) you need to calm it down okay (laughs) calm it down (laughs) calm it calm it calm it calm it down so, that is amazing. Star so, puns are uh, welcome here. Oh, totally. <laughs> so uh, I was I putting I put the uh, anti fertility symbol, uh, which is uh, <laughs> which is uh, sodomy. It you is. Mm. Yes. Now sodomy is anti fertility, and when you uh, when you read Dante's Inferno, it turns out that the sodomites and usurers or bankers are sharing the same ninth level of hell september is the ninth month it's the hermit card number nine all -hmm. these things about number nine are intrinsic to this code here that is kind of freaking me out weren't we just talking about nine earlier today Mm -hmm. cloud nine (laughs) Cloud nine. nine. Like, why do they call it cloud nine? Uh, like, what is up with nine? Nine is a weird number because when it goes from like six to nine, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, six, it's a whole, that's a whole different rabbit hole. Yeah. For cancer. Well, well I'm thinking of um, uh, slothfulness. Um, in, in the Enneagram, the shadow the nine is a balance is balance or a peacemaker persona, and they have a shadow side of being slothful. Ooh. And, and so if you're on cloud nine, you're like balanced, you're in you're blissed out, you're peaceful, you don't want to do anything, and that means you're also slothful. It's uh cloud nine is like <laughs> one a level below God because ten is completion and perfection. So nine being on nice. cloud nine is like you're right. You're right close to godliness. You're or not even like next really like in that sense, but like you're high. You're up there. Right. You ain't gotta yeah. do shit. Uh-huh. Daddy's God. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. So I made this graphic months ago. I thought I would bring it forward because it was like uh, kind of early in my learning about buotes and just having fun with the booty thing. And yeah. Uh, well, today as I'm uh uh, 
dusting off my Boote's repertoire, I find out that there is a classical piece of art that corresponds with her wearing this jockstrap. This is... Argus hunting? Argus hunting. And depending on who you ask, not everybody uh, is on this program, but uh, some people will tell you that uh, the sh the shepherd of Buotes is correspondent with Arcus here. It is. And it blows my mind because there's his Buotes hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> I like big Buotes oh and you cannot buy. <laughs> All the other stars can't deny that when Buotes walks in with a big, big butt, you get sprung. That's right. <laughs> you it literally get your own fix like art like that star in the sky arcturus is and then the story behind it that's crazy yes so uh so i'm going to read uh from my dictionary of classical mythology i'm going to read just a quick little excerpt on who arcus uh is sometimes said to be and there are uh there are a lot of threads that tie into this. It gets uh, kind of convoluted, but I'll just keep it simple. Uh, the son of Zeus and Castillo, or excuse me, misspoke. Son of Zeus and Callisto. Callisto. Yeah. King of Arcadia, which was named for him. He taught the Arcadians agriculture and the art of spinning wool. His mother was changed by Zeus into a constellation Great Bear. There's a major. Arcus was translated into the Little Bear. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, no. Okay, hold on. Let me read that again. His mother was changed by Zeus into the Great Bear. Arcus was translated into the Little Bear, Arcturus, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. located in the heavens behind his mother as her guardian. Apollo, uh, per Apollodorus and Pausanias. Um, now, this is interesting because Buotes is not the Little Dipper, but Buotes is considered the guardian of the bears, the bear guard. That was his and mom. So, his mo yeah. so he watches over his mom because yes. she was turned into a bear and he tried to kill her because it's all about the hunt really when you're talking about greek mythology so like right he it turned it to, around uh, alaska and michigan sorry alaska Guess not. and michigan alaska We're about sports no alaska's <laughs> flag is the big dipper right and uh when we, when we had a I had Gabriel on another show, and I forget what show it was, but uh, he was talking about the territories and Michigan and how it's like the 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 glove shape, right? And there's a connection between Michigan yes. and the Little Dipper, right, or some minor. And uh, there was a yes, yes, the yeah, uh, cancer. It's the crab claw. Yep. And the two minor deacons of cancer are Ursa Major and Ursa Minor. And Ursa Minor goes into the story that has to do with 
Pandora's box, I think. Like it's like layered on layered on layered on you know what I mean? Like right. it, it gets it's deep, deep, deep into Greek wait, wait. mythology. So Ursa Major, Ursa Minor it has to do with Pandora's box is at the very bottom of the constellation list. So it's like once you go through all the constellations, you get to the bottom of Pandora's Whoa. box. Yep. Holy shit. Good read, Dan. Yeah. Oh, man. That's and they're like, where... literally don't open it. Yeah, because wow. it's all the mythology that we all wrap our try to wrap our heads around constantly. It's a never-ending cycle of just thinking, and it's where philosophy right. comes from. I think we might have... <laughs> I think we might have opened it. And that's why we're having all these revelations. <laughs> that's right. exactly what happened. Or someone opened it for us. Yes. So uh, you guys can still see the screen, right? I'm all yep. good? Okay. So uh, this is uh, Boates, this dude with the spear. Uh, some, uh, uh, Yeah, sometimes... Uh, no, he's almost always got a spear, but he's got one arm up. That is one of his uh, signature moves, which uh, it's just one arm up. So it's, uh, you know, Orion is holding his club up in the air also, mm -hmm. but he has a, he has his other arm going forward with like a, some other device, like a shield or a, or a bow or something else in the second hand. So, mm -hmm. but is unique because of the body language is a one arm up Usually, uh, his left arm, or from for us, it's the right side looking down at, or looking up at it. And uh, oftentimes, he's depicted with two dogs on leashes here. And the the dogs yes. are called Canis Venatici, is the name for the two dogs there. But this kind of freaks me out because Canis Venatici is an anagram for vatican science oh my fucking fuck v-a-t-a-c-i-n uh i'm taking liberties with science uh s-e-i-n-s-e -E, i think or no s-e-i-n-c-e -E. so i'm spelling science a little bit weird but it's a it's too the it's seance? too obvious of an anagram to be seance? like a seance like a Seance and the like dogs a are dog god seance, like a yeah, god dog seance. The dogs guard the underworld, and uh, so here we're in the fall, we're going into the underworld. And mm. and remember, uh, Buotes is a great void, so it is, it is a great darkness, it yes. is a, an absence of information, it's a it's a enigma, and it's a very large enigma, too. So, uh, yeah, we know the Vatican has been uh, quite uh, well-developed in their star science uh, for a very long time. Well, so, hell yeah, they got it all the way down from I heard, the Babylonians. I heard that right? the Vatican was originally uh, a place where Druids were and had like a, like these, there's these different institutes or universities, you could say, or Hogwarts type uh schooling yes. places where uh philosophers and whatnot would go to study and that the vatican was one of those places before uh catholic uh catholicdom uh kind of took it over and, and made it right. their own 
Uh, I'm guessing that's probably why I there's a lot it. of tunnels underneath too, because uh, the druids and shit probably are the ones that made all those tunnels. Well, yeah, yeah. and that's how that's where like uh, Leonardo da Vinci went missing, and that's where he learned to like f- f- these people will literally like go missing and come back like five years later, like masters at whatever painting, yeah, well, carpentry. Would, babe, if you got to go into the Vatican Library, how long would you spend in there? <sighs> the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Do I get to sample some of their drugs while I'm at it so that I can learn more? Well, go, fuck yeah, we're we're taking the limitless pill and pay all day. <laughs> I know. Imagine if I had the limitless pill. Oh my, you guys. <laughs> so uh, this graphic was gifted uh, from our brother Bird Dog, Crypto Rowan and Bird Dog. Bird Dog. Bird Dog. <laughs> we tried go ahead Gabe 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 uh oh you got Gabe sucked Gabe. in by the Vatican too <gasps> the Vatican took you uh oh am I good what happened Gabe. Gabe's on the missing 411 okay am I back yeah you're, you're back. back okay you can stop sure okay cool Let's see. There we go. Bada bean. Okay. Bada boom. <laughs> so, yeah, you guys saw the two dogs next to Odin. Was uh, that Odin or Boothis? Co- well, well, I think Odin is Boothis. Oh. The yes. Because he's got his two hounds. And the and now spear. The sheath. He's got the spear. What's that? The cleef, the cleef, the, the sheath, the yes. cleaver, yeah. clever, the, the scythe, the scythe, scythe. Well, that's like a scythe, hand, whatever. Yes. That's like a hand scythe. I don't know what the heck. It's a that sickle. Is. is that a sickle? Yes. It's a sickle. Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, so this is something I've learned. Like the dogs have a lot of meaning. They have a, a whole lot of meaning, but, um, uh, so we know they guard the underworld with the guardians of the dead because they would dig up the bones because Anubis, uh, mm-hmm. so many things. But I've also learned this term that when you conquer a country, this is an ancient tradition that you will put in place a, a ruler who answers to you and they will be called the dog king. Mm. And so putting Obedient. a dog king in place they're obedient to somebody else over internationally that's not even in the picture what about interstellarly by could be interstellar i'm down with that i'm totally are you down, down with, with that, that. Okay. i'm down with that <laughs> so, I'm totally my man. <laughs> <laughs> so uh and so the voltes bo- bo- or odin being a void is like saying oh you think you have this 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 symbol that you're that you're giving allegiance to or whatever but it's actually not really there it's a it's like a it's like a false construct and you can give and give and give and it'll just take and take and take and you'll never and there will never be any reciprocity it's a, a vacuum that can just take forever the tribe of dan and that's has exactly. a connection with anubis and the dog the dog head 
uh and being that they got kicked out of the godhead uh right they became the dog head man okay well uh, here i'm gonna backwards, do share screen. backwards right it's flipped uh because they right. also have to do with the underworld to the duat the tuata they denounce the duata they denon i thought they were the watcher i thought they were that watchers though the, the tribe of dan yeah they're the watchers the guardians the dogs right the guardian dogs yeah. the watchers who watch over which is what uh the two dogs are doing if uh with uh the great bear and little bear or i might be getting crossed uh contaminated here but uh, i think you guys are saying that ursa minor watches over the great bear right so the the symbolism of arcturus yeah arcturus, arcturus yeah. watches over ursa major yeah according so, to greek legend and those are in boots right those are in boots boots yes this uh so basically the if uh if this kite uh it's the crotch of the kite it's the the, mm. the tip of the spear is arcturus uh, uh the the star and that arcturus that star the tip of the crotch right there is called the great horn mm. and guys this is where i really cracked the code i'm like self-initiating to whole new levels it's really exciting because the great horn is uh, like the shofar you know you blow the horn to initiate to begin the charge um well it's the markation of the beginning of the lunar calendar mm. mm -hmm. and so and so the tip of the spear is pointing at like a like wheel of fortune when you spin the wheel of fortune it's got that little that little pointy yeah. uh clicky thing well it lands on the uh, lunar new year and that is the markation is when the moon goes to the tip of this buotes kite mm. and oh so and you know the horn symbolism has a lot right. to do with the moon well also yes. The horn symbolism has to do with a lot of uh with power uh the one who is the right. horniest or the one with the most horns is the most powerful in sumeria the, the the horned headdresses uh the power uh because you probably had to kill a bull to get them uh so you had right. you had power over that animal uh there's also there's a lot of uh the cornucopia horn so you, who has whoever has the wealth has the power uh and so yep. you have that abundance aspect with a horn or cornucopia uh so yeah the horn Big has time. many things it's also like the progenitor right because that person has if that's the great horn then they're the progenitor of all other things the all father you got it man the all father so i put the moon card which is card one eight you add it up you get the nine we're talking mm -hmm. about september ninth month one eight with the moon card we're talking about the whole great horn markates the beginning of the lunar calendar yeah. well also Buotes has a spear and a shield are mm. intrinsic to his symbology septuagint spear Septuagint. Seven plus two is a nine. <laughs> Sept and add two and you get the nine. Oh uh, my gosh. 
this is the ninth card. This is the hermit card uh, of the of the Thoth deck, and I might be I might be seeing it everywhere because I'm looking for it now. But this sure. little wedge, this little wedge shape in the corner of the card is close enough for me. Uh, mm-hmm. because his hand lands exactly on the hermit's hand when you put it there. Mm. Uh. And so, and the hermit is holding this diamond shape. Now the diamond is not a fit for the kite. I found out the diamond is actually, let's see. I think I've said everything off of this one. The diamond is called the great diamond. Mm. And this is not a constellation. This is called the asterism. Yep. Which is what, yeah, you guys know about the asterisms. Oh, yeah. And they're man made. Right. Right. According to Yomblicus, they are yes. man made. And I believe in that because when then when you get into the diamond ace and like all of that, uh, right. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Don't look into it. <laughs> Don't look into it. <laughs> but that makes sense. Don't per- open that Pandora's like... box. <laughs> don't, right. don't read the Greek magical papyri. <laughs> so this is called the the great diamond. And a lot of people in this world, they call the ineffable uh, hmm. holy being the G-D. There's one of your favorite this words. This is babe. a G-D. Ineffable. Yeah, yes. she loves that word. Yes. So, so notice <laughs> how this diamond, it matches the lantern, right? The green lantern? Yeah. They, um, yeah. So it goes yeah. from Arcturus all the way to Leo. Yes, to the butthole of the lion. Oh, my God. And uh, notice also Libra. You can see Libra down in the corner there. Mm-hmm. The adjustment card is the Thoth Dex version of the Justice card, and notice the diamond again. Oh my god! And so, all of these, uh, I put them uh, as uh, as cosmologically on point as I could. You know, they're in the position they should be. Um, but what has gotten me is I think I have found the original OG Buotes is the full card of the Thoth Crowley deck because you can see his boot. The sole of his boot is pointing upward so that you can see his soul shining. It's the only Uh, one that has a soul. It's the only one showing his soul. He's bearing his soul to you. Oh, shit. And in Greek (laughs) mythology, if you're going to be in... oh. Uh, let me point out, it's a great void. Well, this is the zero card. This is card number zero. It's a void. It's empty. It's a nothing. It's a, it's a fugazi. It's a fugazi. It's a fugazi. <laughs> and so... Uh, What's with the I'm lion? I'm quite sure... Uh, the, uh, the tiger on his, on his leg? Yeah, yeah. The cat. I, I think that that is... For one, I think that is... Um, uh, uh, William Blake's poem about the tiger. Mm. Uh, there's a famous William Blake poem about the tiger, but William Blake knew about the void of Buotes and the need to uh, 
to evacuate yourself, for the artist to get out of his own way, to make, uh, to create a negative space, is to draw in the spirit of inspiration. And uh, I think he knew about that because in his poem, The Tiger, there's actually a, uh, I think I have a, I might have sent a graphic of it. Yeah, here. In his poem, The Tiger, it's not a good image, but under the leg of the tiger, there's a, there's a bootes. Oh, shape. that's not a bootes shape. That's a something else shape. <laughs> Great void. <laughs> so, uh, Looks like yeah, it's, uh, I love Huang Chang hanging down. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> so I love this poem. I always have. But now that I know that Blake was on a whole nother level, uh, I give him enough credit for uh, the the strong possibility that that negative space in the tiger was him giving homage to this great void in the heavens. Almost definitely. Oh my God! Yes. Look. Oh shoot. Okay. And so in Jap in uh, uh, Asian astrology, sometimes Buotes is called the Azure Dragon of mm. the East. Blue dragon. Uh, and there's there's a lot more to that, but look at the bag of runes or constellation pills. Oh shit. That uh, is those could be placebo pills that would uh, fool you into thinking that you took medicine. Uh, and that's why I put a bag of sugar pills uh, or placebos. What does yeah. azure mean uh, in in Chinese? Blue. It does yeah. mean blue. Okay, These I was just the, wondering because azul azul in Spanish yeah. is blue, so I didn't know if it's the same or not. But blue pills isn't yeah, that Viagra, so isn't that like a yeah, dick up? And then you had the kite <laughs> over there. Oh my god! And then you showed and me then the, the lion with his tiger. void. Yeah, you had the tiger. With the kite hanging down, his uh, wang dang, and uh, so the blue yep. pill, you know, how me, good times are ahead. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, so this is the where fool, we see a the lot fool of twinning. Is fucking the world. That's why he needs all those pills, right? Yes, yes. These are use, useful idiots. They yeah. they get you. They get you far. Right. So this is where we see some twinning with uh, uh, Ariga because of this shepherd's crook. And sometimes uh, uh, the Boletes is sometimes also called the shepherd constellation. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. uh, on Amuzi. the full card, it's very subtle. But he does have, I uh, I put a, a even better shepherd's crook into place. So it make, it's more obvious in this picture. Have you made any connections to on, uh, the, the Muzi and the Fool? Uh-uh. You can um, write that down. When I was uh I was talking about the Muzi because of the Aries constellation, and I, I brought it up to the Ebbs and Flows guys, uh or, or Bible study, and I had talked about it, and Joshua the Branch said that the Muzi is the fake shepherd. Uh so that that would be like a fool. Right. So uh I wonder if maybe there's a connection there. Azazel. I don't know if that's Azazel. Maybe 
Azulzel. Uh, yeah, because it's the same person. Yeah. Is it? I, that mm. is interesting. Because Azazel is, uh, that's the ca- the scapegoat. That's the goat that's cast uh, out uh, into the yes. wilderness. Yep. Uh-huh. And, yeah. Ariga. Ariga. Yeah. yeah, he also brought right. up the scapegoat thing, too, when he was talking about the Muzi. Yep. Dang, so, I missed it. So uh, all, uh, we also have a diamond in his hand. He's holding on to a diamond up here in the corner. Mm, diamond in the sky. He's real. Yeah. No, don't get into diamonds. Like that is like a crazy rabbit hole in hermeticism. Uh, diamonds. Yeah, and M O N I E S is Egyptian for Moses. Is that like a mayonnaise? Sure. Like hell That is interesting because... Hell man's uh, mayonnaise? Diamonds? Yeah. Uh, I've I've totally put Moses in the... uh, Here in the fall equinox. Splitting Mm -hmm. the Red Sea. uh, Going into the wilderness as we enter into the winter. Mm. Um, But so so now I'm looking at all the kites of history. Benjamin Franklin. And I'm, I'm like, Benjamin fucking Franklin. He was pulling in the spirit of Prometheus. He truly was. And he had the key, which was the, the kite. And the, uh, yeah. Mm, Unlocking the knowledge of the kite. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Which had already been invented, by the way. Well, totally. Yes. <laughs> by the Egyptians a so, long ass fucking time ago. Just don't look at underground tunnel systems like under the ocean or like cable systems because that's a weird rabbit hole, too. (laughs) So uh, uh, basically, I can't read stories anymore without uh, without seeing them in the heavens. And so when I when I'm reading one story, I'm also in the back of my mind, I'm tracking all the other stories simultaneously. Because I'm seeing them all as starry stories. They are. Yes. And so, um, essentially, I was reading through Plato's Symposium, and I got <laughs> to the, and I got to this part where I'm clearly looking at uh, the Gospel of Thomas, uh, parallel Thomas, Thomas Aquinas. Uh, no, th- uh, Thomas the Saint Thomas. Okay. As, as in uh, the one of the twelve apostles. And there's a moment in the uh, in the Plato Symposium that is so heavily correspondent with the moment where Doubting Thomas uh, has to actually poke the ribs of Christ. Um, and so I'm just basically taking these two stories, I'm layering them on, on each with other, the and then I'm looking up at this. And this is where the spear went into the ribs of Christ. This is the void. The vacancy, ah, the absence. The void. Is it the a kite? Whole... Is it a kite shape uh, when it comes out? Yes, I think the kite is the spear. Oh, okay. And so it, or it could be like a you know wound. how like the Adam's ribs. It could be a vagina. It could. Well, yes, because it's so close to Mary to the Virgo. Yeah. Let's see. Yes, you're totally right. The uh, yes, I totally agree. I think uh. That's definitely a void. It's a cavity. Yeah. Yeah. 
I agree. I totally agree. I can't unsee it any anymore. So, so let's see. Mary's a okay. hoe. <laughs> so hey, loose li- loose uh, lips sink ships, right? <laughs> What's the ship? What's the ship? I think she had the tightest lips of all because because <laughs> she's a Virgo. Yeah, and at the end, you realize uh, magic made her have babies. Oh. <laughs> but what's the ship in the constellation? Ara. Ar- Argo. 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 Yeah. Argo Navis, babe. We did that last week. Yeah. Yeah. Loose lips sink ships. That's where the other half of it's at. So. so this is my uh this is kind of a hodgepodge here but uh yeah this is kind of hard to explain but i'm uh reading uh milton's paradise lost and i get to the moment love it yeah uh i'm watching uh or i'm reading uh the part where lucifer is about to walk out of hell and uh he has to go through a certain gateway and he comes across uh, Medusa and uh, death. And death is like a miasma uh, cloud, a strange cloud. And uh, Medusa is actually his daughter. And she has two dogs that kind of come in and out of her, her blouse or her dress. And uh, But he's describing the types of gates that he has to choose from. There are thrice threefold the gates Three folds are brass, three are iron, and three are adamantine rock. Mm-hmm. And when I look into adamantine, I kind of have to go on a wild goose chase. But basically, long story short, adamantine is synonymous with, it means diamond-like. Yes. Wolverine. It and, is. And diamonds are, one interesting thing about diamonds is, and crystals is that like they've been under every form of pressure um in every element and that's what they came to be and i think that's really cool i'm right like nice. a diamond yes yes so, uh, so yeah so in order to yeah de, uh demontoid de, de is this type of stone that i found and i learned that uh like adamantine it does, doesn't it? And it's the same color as this diamond-shaped Libra card. It's the exact same color. And uh, adamantine is a category, or the category that you're looking at adamantine is, is its type of its luster. And wouldn't you know, I have the lust card is right next to uh, the adjustment card here in my the way I've rolled out the Enneagram. Uh, whoop. so, uh, yeah, the luster, the lust card, the adamantine, all of these things are rolling from Leo into Virgo, uh, and into, uh, Libra essentially. And it's just blowing my mind how correspondent everything is with the, uh, with this Enneagram project that I have. But then I thought I'd bring this forward too. Ooh, the Kabbalah. Yes. Tree of life. The, the tree of life is one big kite with little bitty baby kites inside of it. Yes. 
And so uh, ever since I started looking at kites in a whole new light, uh, things have gotten really interesting and weird to the extent that I'm even looking at Superman's logo in a whole new light. <laughs> well, I mean, as you should, because I mean, everything is derived from somewhere else. Uh, Superman's logo is a serpent S. When we, whenever we do the uh, Southern Cross, I think you'll be really fascinated about that yeah. poorly shaped kite diamond. <laughs> totally, which is not far from here. No, like, I'm so fucking excited. Yes, no. it's just around the corner. Yep. Um. So let's see. I think I'm. Uh, am I done? Yeah, I'm close to done. I got one more thing I want to show everybody. Um. And this is uh, super obscure. Um, it's so very super obscure. But um, in my territory's map, Virgo is Virginia. Mm. And Washington is basically just right there, uh, right around the breaking point between uh, Virgo and Libra. And I'm realizing that the 10 square, oh, hold on, I should say this. On the Mohs hardness scale, the diamond is called, it's uh, the highest grade, it goes up to number 10. Mm -hmm. And it is symbolized by the letter C. That's its chemical composite formula is just the letter C. So we've got uh, washing 10. D is diamond, C is a diamond. Washington, D.C. is a 10 by 10 square diamond shape. And I am kind of freaking myself out with this project because Washington is an anagram for showing giant. <sighs> showing giant. Is oh. part of, is part of the this. Uh, there are a million anagrams in Washington. By the way, yeah. I spent all day uh, <laughs> sifting out all the possible anagrams, and this was the best one I got because I had my mind already set up to perceive. Here, no, 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 wait. Here we well, go. Well, uh, the diamonds crystallize in the form of octahedral, dodecahedral, and trapezoid trapezoidohedral crystals the color ranges from white black uh pink yellow red blue whatever it's known as the king of crystals symbolizing the central sun of the solar system uh it has the ability to dissipate light into flashing prisms conveys the force to enhance the powers of other minerals and brings strength to endurance to the action of the energies uh, traditionally, in ancient times, it was given to ensure love and harmony and to dispel anger. It's also known as the Stone of Innocence. Um, and it is said to have been one of the stones used on the breastplate of Aaron, the high priest. Yeah, and uh, it vibrates to the number 33. No. Uh, <laughs> the 10 by 10 square also... Uh, ten ten by ten is a hundred, which equals C. 
Oh, dude. Thank you for that. C is like a century or circa. So that's like the hundred. Yes. I Ooh, love that. Yeah, it I love is. that. So yeah, I wa- yeah, this is kind of I watched your video uh that you did on YouTube uh, with the D and the C, the three and the four. Uh that was pretty pretty awesome. Uh I really enjoyed oh, yeah. that one. Which becomes a big code. Yeah. <laughs> the C O D. The C O D. Yes. E. COD is cash on delivery. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, man. The three, four, and the four, three, CD, DC. Yeah, the CD, too. uh, CD, you know, somebody, if somebody is kind of seedy. Uh huh. uh, Also, but uh, is there anything to do with compact disc? Huh. That's a good question. I can't think of any compact disc, but I'll put I'll write it down, see if something comes up. Maybe there's an anagram in there. <laughs> there's gotta be one. Well, it's like a CD. It's a CD, you know. Yeah, and a compact uh, is a contract. Mm. You know. And just it, uh the diamond, uh the astrological signs of Aries, Leo, and Taurus or the astrological signs of a diamond. Hmm, maybe it's the it squared circle. Aries, Leo, and Taurus. Okay. The CD is hmm. the squared t- circle of the 10 by 10 uh, square, which is where the all the wrestling matches happen. The WWE fake play that goes down. I don't know. Trippy, just, trippy. It's 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 so it's so wild how much consistency there is to all this. You know, it's like, uh, I you you get raised in the world to think that everything is so random, and then yeah. you and then you get this fucking old and you realize somebody was fooling my ass. That's not random at all. But, There's consistency everywhere I look anymore. There's people you. older than us that think it's random still. Good point. Good point. Let me ask you a question, Gabe. Do you think, do you think the stars have an effect on us here, and it's contributing to our lives and stuff, and we are unaware of the things that it's doing because you know just the signs or whatever uh, we're born under, or do you think that uh, we are kind of manipulating the stars? Are there people here manipulating the stars so that we fit into it? Well, I think one of the really fascinating things I've learned about magic is that if you set things up just right, you can walk away and the spell will do all the work for you long after you're gone. So you take on a passive role. You can even forget you even did it. And the intention of Isn't the moment that, that you though? cast the spell. Isn't that part of it? Is forgetting yeah. it? Yes. Not to think yes. about it? Yep. Now, now here's, the, here's what is really fascinating to me. Our relationship to the stars, we avail ourselves 
to the to the influence. The word influence literally comes from the idea of stars coming down and affecting you. When we go to sleep, and so to a large degree, when we are in our passive role and we lay down in our bed, we're doing it in the same place, the same direction, the same positions every night. And then the stars run their course throughout our lives. And so if you find yourself in a rut and you want to break, you want to break patterns, I always tell people just flip the way you sleep on your bed or mm. change, rearrange your room. Yes. It's a really powerful way to like to reorient your your the mindset. Yeah. Of everything. Yes. And then for that matter, you know, when you go through a move, you move into a new house, things feel off and it takes you a while to get back in the into sync with things. And so um and then yes. I also um Virgo is laying down. She's she's prone. And so she is like a sleeping giant of sorts. Oof. And she's so it's spread, and she's on, for the eagle. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Or wait, waiting for that baby to pop out. Zeus is evil. <laughs> that magical baby that she didn't even ask yeah. for. <laughs> <laughs> um have you looked into uh Feng Shui. Uh, not not think, a whole lot. You think Feng Shui is 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 magic in that way, as in like you're setting your positions, uh, uh, because most of Feng Shui is setting your positions according to stars or whatnot, right? I mean, mm -hmm. in a way, you're supposed flow. to set this over it's here. energy flow. Yeah, it's energy flow, but but that's because it's mimicking stars, right? So that's why you're getting that energy flow. No, I think it's more or less like um, don't face mirrors towards your bed. Don't put a door in front of your bed. Make sure your closet door is closed. Um, oh, man. I do all those things. <laughs> whoa, you put, put a mirror over your, your mirror. I mean, put a blanket over your mirror. Or I have something. mirrors by my bed and I have a door that goes to my closet. No, no, no. You can have these things, but make sure it's closed when you go to oh, sleep. And I don't make close sure them, your, your bed's not... Ooh, there's something really serious about closing a closet door before you go to sleep. And make sure your bed's not facing um, a door. And don't put any mirrors in front got, of your bed. I got shui feng. Oh. Shui feng. <laughs> shui feng. Yeah. Doing it all backwards. <laughs> Uh, something that kind of gets me is how much feng shui sounds like function. Oh, yeah. There are really cool words like that that you think should not be even close, but they are so close to They're the same. They're the same. Thing. Yeah. Oh, words get me, man. I get stuck on words like that. Like I'll be like breaking words down like letter mm. by letter by letter by letter. And I'm feng, like, okay, I got to feng shui. When you say it though, it has like a certain like, uh flow to it like the feng shui it's kind of like yahweh right it's that it's the yeah. it's that hourglass you start out big and go small and then back out again it's like it's uh right. it's like in capital in cap um, encapsulated encapsulating time yeah nice 
Um, I want to like just touch real quick on like what you were asking earlier about uh, the stars like affecting us or like us affecting uh, them. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Morgan, um, what do you think about that? No, I wanted to ask a question. I wanted oh, okay. to like, uh, so like this this Mithraic cult who basically we're still under the control of today. Um, do you think that like all this information was just like handed down so they know exactly when to when to set off like bombs or like when to do things like because they know because they have a history or just because that's the way the stars are? Yeah, uh, I think they know. Uh, so uh, rough overview, I believe that the Zoroastrians operate in the public, in the light of day, sun worship, out in the, in the open. And that's the majority of information. Well, it, on the surface level, in the public purview, it seems like that's the majority of the information. The Mithraics have always run parallel. They are the private side of things. They are the underground and in fact, the more I look, the more I realize that it is in the underground, in the private side, where the majority of things are really happening in this world. Yes, yes. And, and that is a huge mind switch that, uh, that you know, people we call mundane or whatever we call the, 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 the normies or whatever we call them, they need to get their head right with the fact that it is not as it seems out in the in the Zoroastrian light of day in the public, the real mechanics of this world are happening underground on the subtle level. Like literally underground, though. Like literally underground. <laughs> like literally in caves and volcanoes and shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and what is kind of trippy is I'm also starting to think that, so that we have the quadrivium, which is uh, music, math, geometry. And those three are given to the public and the public people value them. And they really hold those three close. But the fourth branch of the quadrivium is astrology. Mm -hmm. And most of those people in the light of day and the sun of the Zoroastrian public side they don't think astrology is important because they're in the light of day is when they do all their work. And when the sun come or when the stars come out, they go to sleep, they go into a passive role and they turn a blind eye. Oh, but yeah. the fact, the fact of the matter is that it is the stars that they've forgotten. Yes. And that is what the Mithraic cults in the underworld really value. That's their treasure. And they yeah. use it and they use it very well with timing and blowing shit up right on schedule. Like it makes you said. me wonder if originally, because like there's 88 constellations, uh, a lot of them were created in like the new age, I guess you could say 1700s, so forth. Uh, I wonder if there was 72, uh, because Ooh. it has to do with, you know, angels and demons and Babylon. Well. And so I wonder if there was originally like 72 constellations according to the Babylonians or I wonder how many they had or if there was like some type of, uh, what, what, what is uh, nine? It's uh, 72 is. Uh, there were 67. Uh, 67. Okay. Well, 
In, in Babylon? No, uh, that is for Idler. Idler, so the, it, it's changed like so many times here. I'll see if I can find Babylon while you guys talk. Yeah. But nine. Tycho uh, Brahe said 40, uh, 46. Nine oh. times eight. Nine times eight is 72, right? Yeah. The difference between 72 and 88 is 16, which is the original alphabet. The Phoenician alphabet was 16 symbols. Mm. Wonder if the, the symbols came from the stars. Or uh, have you noticed any like letters and yeah. uh, star patterns? I have. If you go um, around the zodiac, is is a like maybe you go from down the line, and then uh, you know you pick up a letter each time you go around again. Something I don't know. I've, the wheel. I've seen uh, just just one comes to mind because. When I saw it, I was thinking, wouldn't it be fascinating if all of the constellations had a letter? But it was um, it was Perseus. Uh, appeared to me to look very similar to the symbol Ion uh, in Hebrew, mm. which uh, which I think is the seventh letter. Seventh. Yeah, uh, that was a long time ago. But yeah, I, I was thinking that Perseus looked a lot like an iron. Well, the Wheel of uh, Fortune like, card, right? What about it? The Wheel of Fortune, the wheel, you can form each letter out of that exposed wheel. Oh, yeah, I have seen that before. The wheel in the, the Wheel of Fortune yes, card, the, the, the spoked wheel. Yeah, you can get yes, all the letters the from wheel. those spokes. I need to look at that again. Yes. I think Rachel was circulating that a while back. That was mm. cool. Good call. Because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. spoke. It's the, it's the word oh, in spoke. Oh, it's the spoke. The spoken in, word. Spoken word. Well, there are uh, the 12 spoked wheel revolves around the heavens, 720 in pairs, equals ah. 360 days plus 360 nights abide in it. And again, Seven. the fellies are 12. The wheel is one. And within it are collected 360 spokes. Wow. Oh, that's glorious. But something well, boom, I, really I was on to something. I just didn't know what. Yes, you sure were. Uh, Tycho Brahe, with his 46 constellations, uh, he had 777 stars named. But then Drewer of the ancient, uh, Drewer was like the most ancient astrologer uh, from the Druids of the ancient 48 figures with a list of 17, 1,709 stars and 12 new Southern asterisms. So you guys like, if you guys listen, I listen to Tool a lot. And uh, 46 and 2 is about like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> changing the tree. <laughs> you know, you, I got to watch that all over again. You sure do, <laughs> because it goes from Tycho Brahe's, you know, 46 and then the 48. So it, it's it's all very interesting. Um but yeah, 
Well, should I do my two or we can save that for another show? I know we've been going for three hours because you two fucking killed it today. Um, (laughs) You did too, babe. You killed it too. I didn't kill shit. I just sat here, listened, and made stupid jokes. Um, (laughs) You weaved weaved in and out. You weaved in and out. This has been fun. This has been awesome. I love that there's... I love that we found the kite correspondence between Auriga and uh, yes. and Buotes because that's you'll, been you'll find in, it in the crux too. Oh man, that's cool. Yeah, it's been yeah. like bubbling in the back of my head, and it's just so synchronous that we had this this talk tonight to kind of bring those ideas forward and bring them to light. That's that's great. Um, well, you're more than welcome to come on anytime. <laughs> yeah i want to hear yes. i want to hear dan's breakdown uh you got you got two you yeah camelopardidus and what? yeah i'll go for it uh i'm just gonna read nice. some uh some constellation stuff about boots Bootes. Right. um it's home to the contrasting double star Izar and arcturus the brightest star in the northern celestial hemisphere and third individual brightest star in the sky after Sirius and Canis Major and Canopus and the Carina constellation. Um, Boots is the 13th largest constellation in the sky, occupying an area of 907 square degrees. It is located in the third quadrant of the northern hemisphere and can be seen at latitudes plus 90 and negative 50 degrees. The, neighbor, the neighboring constellations are Canis Venetici, which I believe you talked about, Coma Berenceus, which I think you also talked about that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Corona Borealis, I didn't hear. Draco, Hercules, Serpents Caput, Virgo, and Ursa Major are all neighboring. Uh, the constellation named Bootis is pronounced uh, Bootis. Uh, the constel- um, boots belongs to the Ursa Major family of constellations with uh, Camelopardalis, Canis Venoctici, Coma Berenceus, Corona Borealis, Draco, Leo Minor, Lynx, Ursa Major, and Ursa Minor. Boots has five stars with known planets and does not contain any messier objects, so it's pretty clean. No messes going on there. <laughs> uh, the brightest star in the constellation is Arc- Arcturus, Alpha Bootis, which is also the third brightest star in the night sky. There are three meteor showers associated with the constellation Bootis the January Bootids, the June Bootids, and the Quadrantids. Boots contains 10 named stars. The star names approved by the International. Astronomical Union are Alkalurops, Arculus, Arcturus, Izar, Murga, Murfrid, Nekar, Nekar, N-E-K-K-A-R, Nekar. Nekar. It looks like, almost makes me want to say nectar, which is weird. Nikawi. Mm -hmm. Which is N I K A W I Y. Nikawai. Uh, Seginus, S E G I N U S, and 
Xuange, X-U-A-N-G-E. I don't <laughs> even know how to say that. Uh, we got into all the myths and stuff. X-Range. Uh, what? X- Exchange. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we got into. Well, you know the- how they went. Yeah. Go ahead. But also in uh, China, it's called the Huen, H E U E N Co. Yeah. The Heavenly Spear. Or Chao uh, mm-hmm. Yo to beckon or move. Chao Yo. Um, Xiao Yo and uh, um, and it is called Takio the Great Horn. Takio, yeah. So it's very interesting. All of this is extremely. I could just literally sit here all day, which I do. (laughs) (laughs) Which Uh, I do. (laughs) So this is for Calum constellation uh, it's located in the southern hemisphere its name in latin is the word for chisel the small faint constellation was originally named cala sculptoris or the sculptor's chisel it is one of the 14 constellations created by the french astronomer nicolas louis de la cale in the 18th century uh, Calum does not contain any prominent deep sky objects and has only two bright stars brighter than fifth magnitude. The constellation's brightest star is Alpha Cali, shines at a magnitude of 4.44, and is difficult to see from light-polluted areas. The constellation is home to the faint eclipse and binary star RR Cali and the unusual quasar HE0450-2958. Notable for appearing to lack a host galaxy, deep sky objects in Calum include the galaxies NGC 1679, IC 2106, and NGC 1571. Calum is the 8th smallest star constellation in the sky, occupying an area of only 125 square degrees. It lies in the first quadrant of the southern hemisphere and can be found at latitudes of positive 40 degrees and negative 90. The na- uh, neighboring constellations are Columba, Dorado, Iridanus, uh, Hologium, Lepus, and Pictor. Lepus is interesting to me. Um, yeah. Leprechaun. I found out that leper in another language, uh, I forget what it was, means river. Uh, and con means Ooh. king. So leprechaun could mean the uh, river kings. Which goes back to Tribe of Dan, right? And the the four rivers from the Black Sea. Uh, and so maybe the leper kings. Uh I, I think leprosy had something to do with turning your skin white or in your eyes blue. I don't know. Uh so <laughs> I thought it never mind. <laughs> what? I thought it was blisters and sores, but I heard uh So did white. I. Yeah. But I heard the white skin thing and from somewhere else uh the constellation name um blah blah, blah calum is pronounced oh it's pronounced Silam. Silam. uh interesting Salam. 
Saleh. Assalam Maleka. Maleka Assalam. Yeah. Salam. Uh, the genitive form of Salam using star name is uh, Saleh. Uh, the three-letter abbreviation adopted by the IAU is C-A-E. Kalem does not have any stars better than a magnitude of three or located within 10 parsecs, which is 32.6 light years of Earth. The brightest star in Salam is Alpha Kali uh, or Alpha Soleil. Uh, the nearest star, HD 3876, belongs to the spectral class K2V and lies at a distance of 57.86 light years from Earth. Salam does not contain any named stars. There are no major meteor showers associated with the constellation. And Salam does not contain any messier objects. Um, there's no associ miss associated with Salam. Uh, it is one of the constellations introduced by the French astronomer Lacaille in the 18th century. Uh, the guy has a whole group of constellations named after him. And uh, that's basically all that it really says. It goes into the different stars, but nothing nothing too cool like you guys did. Uh, oh, it's a pretty... Well, that's interesting that, it's interesting that there's no myths associated with it. Because yeah, he because made it a, up. Because it's a newer constellation, yeah. Like, like a lot how, of, literally? Mm -hmm. A lot of... John, yeah, a lot of these newer ones, they couldn't, they didn't have the, you know, we think that they had all this crazy stuff that they could see shit far away, which for some reason they had knowledge of planets far away, but maybe because they're so big, they were able to, uh, you know, use some type of instrument to see those. But as far as like the other sky stars, they didn't, they weren't able to make a constellation out of them or they were just not significant enough i'm not sure because it's weird they didn't have a lot of light pollution back then so you would think that they probably would have been able to see these a lot mm -hmm. easier than we do so i don't know it's, that's that's why i wondered how many constellation there originally was because a lot of these constellations that we go through seem like new ones that don't really have a lot of myth associated with it uh like the big ones always do aries and uh all the zodiac ones do uh, Ariga, uh, you know, stuff like that, and boots, both days. Uh, and then my last one is Camel Opardalis, the constellation. It's in the northern hemisphere. Its name comes from the Latin der derivation of the Greek word for giraffe. Taken apart, the word Camelopardalis means camel, camelos in Greek. And leopard, pardalis, uh, the giraffe was called the camel leopard because it had a long neck like a camel and a body with spots like a leopard. The constellation was created by the Dutch astronomer Petrus Plantius and documented by the German, German astronomer Jacob Barch in 1624. It contains Kimblay's Cascade, an asterism, formed by a cascade of relatively faint stars and several notable deep sky objects. Uh, it also contains the Oyster Nebula, the spiral galaxy NGC 
Camopardalis is the 18th largest constellation in the sky, occupying an area of 757 square degrees, is located in the second quadrant of the northern hemisphere and can be seen at latitudes 90 plus and negative 10. The neighboring constellations are Auriga, Cassiopeia, Cephas, Draco, Lynx, Perseus, Ursa Major, and Ursa Minor. The constellation, um, the Gina, um, Let's see. That's that's really. There's some other cosmic stuff to go with it. Uh, the giraffe constellation is pretty faint, with no stars brighter than fourth magnitude. The Greeks did not see any stars in Camelopardalis, and thought this region of the sky, as well as what is now the constellation Lynx, was empty. There are no myths associated with the constellation, as it, is, it was only created in the 17th century. While the giraffe is not a reference to mythology, the constellation's name could be a reference to the book of Genesis in the Bible, but it remains doubtful. When Jacob Barch included Camelopardalis on his star map of 1624, he described the constellation as a camel on which Rebecca rode into Canaan, where she was to marry Isaac. But since Camelopardalis represents a giraffe and not a camel, this explanation does not seem likely. So there's a camel beta camelpardalis, camelpardalis, uh, and VZ camelpardalis. And the asterism is Kimball's Cascade. And the deep sky object is NGC 2403 or Codwell 7. Um, now I was looking in to giraffes just because I was like, well, this one's fucking boring. So let me go check out some <laughs> giraffe wiki and see if there's anything interesting about giraffes, right? And so I was like going Ooh. through and it talks about like how many different species types and blah, blah, blah. Uh, there's the etymology. The origins of the giraffe is an Arabic word, which is zarafa, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, just because it's an Arabic word, you know, I kind of associate giraffes with Africa more so than I would do with Arabic or Arabic places. Uh, mm -hmm. but that that's just my own, uh, camels stupidity, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. the giraffe is one of the two living genre of the family giraffidae in the order of, uh, Artodactylia, the other being the Okapi. Okapi. Uh, the family was Ooh. once more extensive with over 10 fossils, genera described. The elongation of the neck appears to be started early in giraffe lineages. Uh, comparisons between giraffes and their ancient relatives suggest vertebrae, vertebrae close to the skull, uh, lengthened earlier, followed by lengthening of vertebrae further down so they actually didn't start as long necks they kind of grew their necks over time um and then so then it goes on to list some different species and subspecies so here's a few of them there's the cordofan giraffe nubian giraffe 
Rothschild's giraffe. I thought that was interesting. Uh, And then it says about the Rothschild's giraffe, maybe an echotype of G. camelopardalis. Its range includes parts of Uganda and Kenya. Its presence in South Sudan is uncertain. This giraffe has large, dark patches that usually have complete margins, but also may have sharp edges. The dark spots may have paler radiating lines or streaks within them. Spotting rarely reaches below the hocks and almost never to the hooves. This echotype may also develop five horns. Around 1,500 individuals believed to remain in the wild, and more than 450 are living in zoos, according to to genetic analysis circa September 2016. It is specific with the Nubian giraffe. Uh, Another type is the Western, the West African giraffe, the reticulated giraffe, Angolan giraffe, South African giraffe, the Maasai, M-A-S-I, or M-A-S-A-I, um, and Thornacroft's giraffe, which was named after Harry Scott Thornacroft. Um, they're about 15, 14 to 19 feet tall. Um, yeah, that's about it. I just thought it was interesting that there's a Rothschild fucking giraffe with five horns (laughs) it's like it's getting ready for like dinosaur it makes me go like why was there a fucking giraffe named after rothschild and that's why i was like kind of interested and i started looking at the maps of where these giraffes might be seeing if there's anything uh to go with that but i i would have to do a lot more digging than i did and i didn't do a whole lot so um that's about. So I got a, I got an image to share on cameloparditis that you guys might enjoy. How is it camel toe? Yeah, man. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Stupid. What? It is a camel toe. Don't laugh. No, at me. we just went over bootes. Okay. Oh, it is. Oh. So cameloparditis is. Right here is a, a an image of it, and you can see it's basically pointing its head almost at the North Star, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And now look at the shape of Cephas, who is the Emperor card here. Oh, he looks so scary. The, the father makes the father makes the house. The mm. mother makes the home. Oof. And Cassiopeia, the camel. And Cephas and the camel, you put them all together with that funky star above the house, and you got yourself a immaculate conceived baby in a manger. Oh my God! And now look, now look closely at the wording here. Like the wording is saying so much more than I ever would have guessed. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye 
of a needle, the needle points north, mm -hmm. than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Amen to that. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. And the, the whole needle thing is like, oh, we'll have what's, to have a whole yeah. episode on that. What's the eye of the needle? Is that the, the spear of booties? I think it's the I think it's the North Star. It uh, is. Or the South. I don't know. Because the, the head of the camel's trying to go through the North Star almost. It's missing, but it's kind of pointing at it. Yeah. Much like the needle of the compass points north. And the camel par, uh, pardalis, pardalis is also a triangle shape with a like a neck. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's probably I wanted to share real quick the before I got off of here. It's like one one something in the morning. But uh I, I did want to share I wanted to share this one thing um about like uh this goes all the way back to the the little wonder bird um the uh, apis. Um so there uh, not a swallow, however, but a well-known swift of the old world with perfectly formed, although small legs and feet yet appropriate enough uh, to its mode of life. And the stellar bird appears in the scholar of T the Tibet bin Karat as Hirondo with his little company and little white-browed Vesta lamping on her path, lonely and planet calm. Where has the Pleiade gone? Where have all the missing stars found light and home? Who bids the Stella Mira and go and come? Why the pole star sit lone? And why, like banded sisters through the air, go in bright troops the constellations fair? Nice. So like when Noah's looking for like land or whomever is looking for land, they send their bird out. Like even Jason from Argo Navis, like looking for land. And it's like, wait, there's no life. You know what I mean? They don't come back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no stars. But anyway, I wanted to share that with you guys. Nice and, um, Yes. And um, much love. Much love. Thank you. For coming on, Gabrielle, Slick Dissident, we are so happy to have you. And anytime you'd like to come back, you are more than welcome because this is yes, so much sir. fun. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I love Absolutely. this. This is like my, my favorite topic of all. <laughs> Ours too. We're having so much fun awesome. with this. I mean, it, I don't even know if like people listen to the whole four hours we do, but we're having a blast, <laughs> you know? It's so much fun. <laughs> Morgan loves this yeah. shit, and I'm just trying to figure it all out because it's so confusing to me when she's always trying to tell me about constellations and star stuff going on. I'm like, I have no idea what you're telling me. I was like, let's maybe we should just do a show about it. Then I can learn, and we can hang out, we can have fun. And so it's it's been a uh, pretty enlightening, actually. A lot of stuff has been popping up and. Because uh, we're also going through the Bible at the same time from Gen <laughs> at the beginning of Genesis and doing the stars uh, constellations at the same time and going through oh, those. And it's, and it's kind of been like correlating different things. And uh, so it's been bringing up a lot of other ideas that I probably wouldn't have normally uh, had 
because of that. Yeah. So it's, it's been great. Yeah. Yes. I, look forward, I look forward to getting through all 88. Then I'll be a fucking wizard. <laughs> In five years. <laughs> <laughs> all right gabe where can everybody find you man yeah then i'll be able to understand uh, gabe too i'll be like i know what gabe's talking about now for sure yes <laughs> so so uh my youtube channel is a uh, slick dissident uh and you know i call it a shared learning experience and i always make sure to tell people don't believe a damn thing i say check everything <laughs> check everything i say because i fuck up all the time uh but i live We're and i human. learn yes and i always try to come back and correct myself when i do make mistakes um but i also uh i hang out on the weaving spiders webs mm -hmm. uh you can catch me on chance garten over on the rock fin Mm -hmm. And I get down with one on one and I'm with the rising from the ashes crew from time to time. So yeah, those are my yeah, spots. Buddy. Nice. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming and uh, everybody go check out Gabriel. He's too smart for his own good. Probably ours too, but let's go see. <laughs> if we can figure it out together. Yeah, guys. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This has been no a pleasure. Problem. Thank you for anytime, man. And to everybody out there, thank you for listening and look up.